Welcome to Roguecast, the official podcast of Rogues Gallery. We'll talk comics for the week, as well as whatever news is on our pop cultural radar. I'm Randy. I'm Nick. This is Dave. And now, on with the show. Episode 407 of the Roguecast, recorded March 7th, 2023. Punisher Pause. All right, it is time for the podcast. That's all I got. That's all you got? That's all I got. I got no fancy intro. You're out. <laughs> You're off the podcast. All right. Then Leave your been, rogues card at the door. It's been, it's been, a, it's been a good run. <laughs> let's get ready to roguecast. Let's get ready to rumble style. <laughs> um, it is, as I am typing our, our intro here, that I realize I forgot to look up on our new games for the week, so we're going to have to spin through that. Um I know we got the Star Wars deck building game. That's yes. a big thing. That, that's and it's already selling really well. Um, yeah. You know, I think we, we like the deck building games we here. Do. We've played a fair number of them. Uh, anything heard, from I've the, heard it compared to Star Realms. Star Realms is like, uh, I mean, I, I, it's probably my favorite game. <laughs> like, I just, I play it uh, obsessively on the app. I've played the card well. game. Yep. It's, uh, like a lot of them, once you kind of know the basics on it, you can play a lot of these deck-building games pretty briskly, um, and yet feel like you've had a kind of a deep experience, and that, you know, you always get an interesting, a new loadout of cards every hand that you're going to have to strategize on the fly. It's really fun. And and doing that with Star Wars sounds cool to me. I looked at the back, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday, Randy, you told me that um, the way you sort of track your life meter in it and stuff like that yeah, is bases. is the bases like so Nick so that like Hoth is like a base Death Star is a base and stuff like that and they'll probably have like something like hit points you know um, mm-hmm. and um, but yeah you'll you'll be drawing cards and um, what I don't know in this is like is one player rebel and one empire traditionally yes. in, like something like that Star Realms everybody draws from everything so when I was talking with our staffer John about this because he picked it up and. Uh, the 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 what are the I think it's called the galaxy you know the row five five the, the buyer's row yeah, that's, it's called the galaxy I right think. But, and he said it's kind of tricky because if you're empire and the galaxy is all rebel ships like there's nothing you can buy yep but he said there's a lot of like neutral there's like a twilight smuggler and those that are neutral right, I was there's thinking bounty blockade, hunters and blockade stuff. runners and that kind of thing and I guess it is like ship based like you buy ships okay but you can also buy people and bases and it, it sounds like a lot of fun from Star Realms I know that. And other games I've seen, they always, in these games, very cleverly come up with ways so that if your preferred factions or whatever aren't in the buyer's row on a given hand, aside from the fact that generally the balance is such that you'll only have to wait like another hand, a few draws to get to some stuff. Right. But there's always like the equivalent of cards that would be, uh, what was it, in DC, was it the kicks? Yeah. Um, and in Star Realms, it's the scout ships. There's always... There's explorers, this, sir. They're explorers. Explorers, yes, yes. There's stuff you can do so that you're never like really held up too badly by it. And sure. I'm, I'm sure that the... Uh, the just the um, the franchise and the kind of the, the vibe of Star Wars is probably a lot of fun for it. So yeah. one of us definitely needs to go ahead and get that, and we will try it soon. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we'll... Uh Maybe we'll uh, push John down and take his Star Star Wars on Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, today. I like it. You know playing. what? Uh, what we could do is uh, I kneel over behind him yep. while you push, yeah. and he falls backwards. And while he is destroyed from that, we take his Star Wars. A classic. Yes. John only needs nobody, two people. Nobody tell John. You can't resist that attack. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's unbeatable. like when Kirk in the old Star Trek would hit you with double fists. It's unbeatable. Unbeatable. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also got the D&D plushes and blind boxes. These were, yep. like, super popular. We're already out of the Mimic. 
Yeah, but, because uh, the mimic is amazing. A mimic was amazing, but we've got uh, like our big red dragon. We've got a snowy owlbear. We've got a displacer beast, the cutest displacer beast ever. Yes, uh, it's little. There's like the sort of like little pipe cleaner type, uh, like it's little whip. Yep, uh, whip arms. Uh, can whip be, arms. That's what they are. They tentacles. can be they're tentacles. To me, they're arms. <laughs> Does a displacer beast have six legs? No, that's what it is on the. Is it six legs? Oh, okay. I think it might be. Yeah, weird so, because they're not like just a panther. They're like a panther with six legs, and then there's also tentacles. Yeah, and also they appear six feet to the left of themselves. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Is I here yeah, or is I a, here? That's a displacer beast. I've never fought a displacer beast in D and D. I thought you were going to say in real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I've done. I'm I mean, come fighting, on. I'm always fighting the metaphorical displacer beast that is adversity. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's there, but it's always six feet to the left. And then six feet over. And but when you do fight an actual, real, physical displacer beast on that day, my son, you will be a man, <laughs> um, and you'll also be dead. Uh, probably right, so. Right. Uh, but there's also though we have the gelatinous cube. Yeah, which uh, it has. It comes with bones that glow in the dark. Yeah, bones I think we talked about it maybe in, a, in a previous week. I think we but did, yes, they, yeah. they have a, it's great because it has a sort of a plush square structure, but its sides and you know some of the sides are essentially transparent. It's like a little transparent plastic, so you can see inside it just like the real monster yeah. that really exists and could get you. Yes, and if, you, if the space um, space doesn't get you, the gelatinous cube will. And like because you can also there, put different things in it besides the plush skeleton, uh, you could put like your other stuffed animals could be trapped in it and then make an escape. Um, or simply die. It's up to you. It's your <laughs> is game. This, is this Toy Story Five? <laughs> <laughs> um, we also got the uh, these little mini monster uh, blind boxes that have like D and D first edition. Uh, yeah, I'd say they're slightly stylized versions, like cute versions, of like them. slightly yeah. cute yeah. versions of. Oh man! It's, it's, so it is like the troll from the. You'll, everybody remembers from the cover. Fire, I'm looking at it right now. Fire okay. elemental, beholder, roper, mimic with a little fist popping out of him. Love it. Uh, Sahaugen. Yep. Uh, Salamander, Remoraz, Zorn, Mind Flayer, Red Dragon, Rust Monster, Displacer Beast, and Ghoul. That's a good There's collection. A beholder in there? Yeah, he said Beholder. Oh, okay. That's a good collection of like primarily iconic D and D monsters. Like I know that D and D didn't invent Red Dragons, but their particular Red Dragon is on the cover and is iconic. Yeah. Um, and the, the kind of fun thing, one of our staffers opened one. Uh, who ran a staff D and D game yep. in which we fought a roper? She drew a roper. Yep. It's it's uh, clearly serendipity. <laughs> yes, fate wanted that to happen. Fate wanted the roper. Um, <laughs> and then uh, worth noting, we have a, uh, a signing coming up. We don't do a lot of signings anymore. Oh yeah, but, but this is cool. This is going to sort of tying into the timing wise the Shazam movie. Yes, uh, there is a new all age graphic novel called Shazam Thundercrack, which takes place in the continuity we just got in today. Uh, a local writer artist Yehudi Mercado, who has been at the store before. Yeah, Yehudi's great. Uh, he is going to be here signing on Saturday the 18th from noon to 3 p.m. Uh, so come in and get your comics signed. I believe the the point it takes place in is during the montage in the first movie when you like see Billy and like his friend uh, like trying out Shazam's powers and having fun being Shazam. Uh, so it's going to take place sometime in there. It takes place uh, about the time of Billy Batson joining the Fawcett Tigers football team. Did, did he do that? I um, didn't remember I that, know. but Apparently okay. He in the comic. That sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and talk about comics for March 8th. And uh, let's start off with first saying uh, this is a triple play Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because there's Jed McKay, there's Tom Taylor, and there's Ryan North. 
yep. right? All the kind of superhero writers that lately we've had our eyes on who have had, like, a consistently good output. Yep, yep. Um, uh, let's start with the Tom Taylor book. and let's, That is Adventures of Superman John Kent with, uh, with, with Clark back. He's got Superman and Action Comics. I think we were all a little nervous that John might be pushed off to the side. Right, and John, John is his son, for people who don't know, who's around 18? Yes. Something like I, that? That's right, yes. Um, and, and a book we had advocated for the whole time. We've it's always, it's always, always been it, yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, this is his new series, and there is a, a particular storyline that I think is going to draw people into it. Yep. Which do is... Want, do you want to say? Is it, it's it's on the cover. It's okay. on the cover. Oh, it is on the cover, okay. Yes, so Tom Taylor made his name more or less in comics, writing the Injustice comics based on that... Uh, sort of Mortal Kombat-style DC superheroes fight game with the dark future where Superman took over and it was Batman's forces versus Superman's. And, uh, like, all of us at the time were like, oh, this is too grim or whatever. But then we saw the game and it actually did a good job of it. But more importantly, the comics did a great job of it. Uh, And, like, that's where we came to know Tom Taylor, who's one of our favorite writers today. Yep. and so he will be, uh, like, th- that is, like, the idea is, like, that's one of the multiverse worlds of DC, presu- and, and, and it seems like the characters of the Injustice world are either going to, well, in some way interact with Jonathan. We, we presume well, he's going to go there? I assume, well, yeah, the, there's a big, the, the big storyline, there's a lot of multiverse stuff going on in this, yes. I don't want to say too much. There's uh, some cool you, guest stars. You can tell pretty, pretty early on, someone is killing Superman across the multiverse. Yep. Yes. And... And so uh, John Kent is going to have to go across the multiverse and try to stop this. And my guess is that one of the Superman that they're going to have to protect is going to be weirdly the Superman of the Injustice world. That would make sense. Uh, uh, there is a a good bad guy in this one. Yep. Who I think is a good threat. Yep. There's some good allies. There's mm-hmm. there's a cool ally in it who is um, and really good artwork. And Tom Taylor always works with yep. good artists, so that's Henry. not a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, but yeah, um, and possibly some new. Powers for Possibly so you might look at nope. the cover might uh, might give you a clue as to yep. what those powers. We I haven't believe- seen them yet, but right, but but you might guess a little bit about it based on the look. Yeah, um, I believe it's uh, coming out of the was it the Lazarus storyline thing? Yes, yep. yeah, Lazarus Planet, which I have not been reading. But yeah, doesn't matter if it, none of us were following that really closely. Yeah. You can you don't need to have followed it other than to know that something might cause a catalyst for power change. Uh, there's a new Dark Horse book. Is Dark Horse right? Yeah. Uh, from Scott Snyder and Francis Manipool. You might remember Scott Snyder from such comics as Batman Court of Owls and uh, a bunch of horror comics for various publishers. Well, he's recently done Night of the Ghoul, which mm-hmm. is another Dark Horse book. Yep. This is um, this is another one that he did for Comicsology originally. It's like almost like a cyberpunk detective series, but with a real big high concept. Yep. Yeah, so I, I'm going to go ahead and, and just say what the concept is. Yeah. Basically, in this world, everybody has a veil which means you can sort of put a filter over reality and see whatever you want. So if you want to see the world as a cartoon world, or a fantasy world, or... Like uh, zombie apocalypse. Like zombie apocalypse, whatever. You can have a filter that lets you see that. Yeah, it's like a neural link in your brain yeah. kind of thing. Uh, but this guy is a PI, and one of the things he does, he, he is clear. He has a... Uh, he has a, he basically has no filter. He sees the world as it is. As it is, which is very weird. He thinks he's the only one who has it that way. Um, and this is, a, it's, it's a straight up like noir... Someone gets murdered who's close to him. There's maybe a murder. It, 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 it's maybe a uh, conspiracy behind it. And uh, in mix with all that, it's all cyberpunky. I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a good world, a good setup. There's also some good world building, like, sort of, like, stuff that makes it tied to sort of our timeline, where we yeah. see a little bit of his past and sort of a, a backup, not a backup chapter, it's just a second the second chapter. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but I was like, oh, some of that stuff feels a little too real. Uh, but in a good way, like, I think this is a smart future. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's also, you should say, it has, like, really vivid and interesting art. You often will see as other people see the world, you know, with the filters overlaid, the veil yeah. uh, of it. And it lets Manipul kind of do a bunch of different styles. Yeah, yeah totally. a, This is fantastic stuff from him. Um, uh-huh. Image has a book called Stoneheart by uh, artist writer-artist Emma Kubert, which appears to be, like, a girl in modern day, or is she? No, okay, so, like, there's there's, like, a, there's a, there's a part of it in color and part of it in black and white. And, I know and, it is, like, broadly, I think, a somewhat all-ages fantasy adventure. Yeah. You know, like, uh, maybe compared to, oh, a Miyazaki movie, not his, not his darker ones, but the sort of more light ones. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm already yet to confirm, but I, I believe that is its vibe, okay. so. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, if we're looking for a new fantasy book. Uh, new Mutants gets a spin-off miniseries. They're the, the end of the main book. And this is called New Mutants Lethal Legion. Which uh, seems to be centering on a new character who can sort of change positions with people. It's got an interesting power. Oh, interesting. Uh, what I heard or kind of vi- got, got, got as its backstory when I was making a sign for it was that this may be the storyline that kind of sets up the what will be what the end of the Krakoa era. The, what do they call it? The end of, end X, of X or something yeah. like that. Is this is this is the storyline where that starts shaping up? So this is a new character called Escapade, who I must have shown up in New Mutants beforehand. Alongside uh, Gabby, aka mm-hmm. uh, it says aka Scout, oh, not Six Twenty Three, but, she's, but... Uh, she's, she will always be uh, Honey Badger to me. <laughs> uh, but also, also uh, now in a in a like human body or something, Martha, like the brain from uh, oh from mm-hmm. Morrison's run, run. Huh. Uh, alongside Karma, Warpath, Mirage, Wolf Spain, the sort of classics. This is written by Charlie Jane Anders, who did the uh, sci-fi site Io Nine. Oh yeah, uh, it's a pretty nice artwork. Uh, and looks to be, and like I say, it's it's interesting. It's all from the point of view of this character I didn't know, but it is also sort of classic mutant stuff. So you know, sometimes the POV stuff from a character you don't know is good because either they're an outsider looking in, and that's how you kind of you can essentially learn about what's going on through their eyes. Yeah, um, you know, the sort of the Kitty Pride effect. Uh, there's a new Predators book. This is a, uh, or it's just Predator. Yep. Uh, this is, Nick, you said there's a continuation of what you've been doing, but also a new series? Well, it's a continuation of, like, essentially what will be... All the movies are taken as canon. Yeah. Right? And this yeah. is uh, playing off of the uh, movie Predators, where there's uh alien world where people are getting dropped on. And, uh, is that the one that had Adrian Brody? Yeah, Adrian Brody and... Uh, there was a ton of people in there. Yeah, Robert uh, Rodriguez directed. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez directed, and uh, they're sort of hunted for sport by uh, various factions of predators. Uh, this is very much in tone with that. There's lots of people from various places, uh, kind of not knowing exactly what the heck is happening, and uh, they are being hunted, and they're trying to figure things out. I actually thought it was a really fun first issue. Um. X-23 gets another book, Deadly Regenesis. This is the uh, same writer who did uh, Hallow's Eve. Mm-hmm. This is set oh, when she was in X-Force. No, this is set right now. Is it? Because it, it feels... The thing I read said it was set during her terror with both X-Men and X-Force. Well, she, in this, they outright say that she's left Krakoa. Well, is it possible that that's the framing device? No, they said she's left... Um, she's not left Krakoa. She's left Utopia. Because there's a little editor's note: the X-Men's Island Society off the coast of San Francisco at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 a flashback. It's a a flashback, and it's a weird it's a weird timing. My guess was that maybe they did that because they wanted to showcase her when she was kind of 
uh, like a little more hardcore, I yeah. guess. But she I don't know. I haven't read quite it. Quite dealt with her. Like they're they're sort of the thing is they're they're sidestepping the Tom Taylor continuity, which is kind of too bad. Yeah. Uh, but if you are a fan of X twenty three, yeah, this is a uh, this is a notable thing, and I guess they're yeah they want to avoid some modern continuity stuff with it. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's the same pursuit of Hall- the Hallows Eve. It's got nice art. Um, I figure I feel like X twenty three has a following. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, there is a uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves Feast of the Moon. There are two stories in this graphic novel that are a prelude to the to the actual uh, movie. Yep. The first one has like the main group, the uh, the big the big four. And then the paladin, who I think joins them in the movie, uh-huh. has a back has a story that's like before he meets them. Oh, okay. Um, so the feast of the moon is a is a feast. Of, there's a that's what they happen upon, and there's a little go between about are they are they going to help these people or are they scamming them? And it's uh, it's a pretty it's pretty fun. It gives you a sense of the characters. If you and I don't think it's supposing about the movie. I was flipping through it. You know what's funny? I on, on a message board I was talking about the movie with somebody, and this person was under the uh, false notion that. Because and I, I kind of get where it came from. Chris Pine says like we're thieves. Yeah. Um, he's like they they are definitely thieves. Yes. But they are made up of many different classes from D and D, which includes a paladin, a barbarian, a bard. Yep. And a, something else. And a rogue. And a rogue. So the rogue is Hugh Grant. Right. I wasn't sure if he was going to be like a main character or not, but he's uh, I guess I wasn't he's, sure either. He's definitely a part of their group in here. Okay. The characters in this are Chris Pine's bard. Um, uh, what's her name? Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez is barbarian, and Justice Smith is it Justice yep, Smith? Smith. Justice Smith's wizard. Okay. Uh, and the bar and the rogue, and then also uh, Chris Pine has a daughter who is here with on their in the group. She's like she is also a wizard or has some kind of oh, invisibility spells because okay. he mentions that he mentions how he lost his family. Right. So I assume that we might see that. It's, I think that'll probably be in the movie itself or flashback to. Incidentally, it. I believe we're going to briefly talk about like the final trailer for it in yep. a little bit. Yep. yep. But uh, yeah, this is uh, coming out a few weeks before the movie, and if you're hyped for it, as we are, are yeah. uh, you might want to check that out. It's original stuff. Um, we got new volume of Nice House in the Lake, the concluding volume of yep. that. We have uh, Teen Titans Robin, which is uh, they've done these all ages or YA books. Uh, it's like a it's like a graphic novel for like kind of like the YA, like you said. Yep. That has its own continuity, but focuses yeah. on like you know they've done ones for a lot of DC characters from Dead Man to Batman, but it's like more like Batman like in high school no, kind of vibe. This vibes. is specific. This one is specific. This is, this is uh, uh, Cami Garcia and Gar- Gabriel Piccolo, Piccolo who did Raven, Beast Boy, and then Beast Boy loves Raven. Right. And this is in that continuity, basically. Right. And this is Teen Titans Robin, and it looks to me like it has Damian and Dick Grayson. Yeah. The the the. All of these YA ones have gone over pretty well, but the Teen Titan ones have been like we can we always keep multiples of them because they sell all the time. Yeah, people love getting the Beast Boy ones and Raven ones. I think this is very smart of them to continue that and essentially build out that setting. Yep. And it looks uh, like Starfire is coming in twenty twenty four. Nice. So yeah, um, we have a new graphic novel called Mimosa. This is a uh, um, it's from the author of Quick and Easy Guide to They Them Pronouns. Okay. And it's basically uh, queer waiter, queer queer waiters at a restaurant. Um, now they're in their mid to, mid to late thirties, and sort of like what they're doing together now. Okay, so it's like a queer friend group. Uh, you know, slice of life, sort of slice of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of neat. And finally, in graphic novels, we have Mothkeeper, which uh, I guess not finally, but Dave, did you? Uh, did you guys just check this out? I didn't. I wanted to, but I like I just forgot to to read up on it. 
Oh, um, I know it's, it's from the it's from the people who did Tea Dragon Society. Yeah, it looks really good. Like uh, to, to not to overuse Miyazaki, but it looks like Miyazaki esque. Or if you want to think about like uh, the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, like that's what it looks like visually. It looks really amazing. Um, I am looking forward to trying it trying it out. Uh, and then there is Blue Beetle Jamie Reyes uh, book two, which is for us. I think this was the stuff that we all really loved. He was introduced in like a mini series, mm-hmm. but this is the um, this is the stuff where John Rod. This is issues thirteen through twenty five. This is where John Rogers took over the writing. Raphael Albuquerque does all the art, and this was like the this is the best Maria stuff there is. Yeah, yeah. him versus the reach. him versus the reach, and really really good art. And John Rogers, you might know from uh, what all has he done? Uh, Leverage, yeah, um, something more recently. What's the, the librarians? Librarians, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but but. Good sense of humor. He also did a uh, the fourth edition D and D comic, which was great. Yep. Um, so five, yeah, which is, we do have. This is fantastic stuff. Um, other than that, it's worth noting this is kind of a, a, a notable week for uh, for stuff that we all like. Uh, Fantastic Four, Brian North, Fantastic Four is another issue. Really okay. good. It's a big one. Like that's I, get, I think there'll be one more issue, and then that will be what will be the first trade will be. Yeah. And this has all been good. This this one has an obscure-ish it was villain. An obscure villain. I didn't know who it was. But it, like I kind of vaguely knew who he was, and, and I liked the sort of reveal. It's got a cool sort of science magic plot. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's really, it's really and it has and it continues also though the family road trip vibe. Yeah. Uh, they are all back in one place now, and uh, it's. You know, part of the what's what he's getting, I think, which is like when you're hanging around him, it should be fun to hang out with the FF. Yeah, and, yeah. and it does seem like he's got that. Um, Jed McKay has two books. He's got Moon Knight and Mary Jane and Black Cat. Yep. And then uh, the third issue of Scarlet Witch, we've all been enjoying, which uh, brings uh, Polaris into the yeah, her mix. kind of sister, quasi uh, sister, so sort of sister because Magneto's both their both their dads. Somehow. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right, that's comics for the week. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about a bunch of news. All right, we have a few tidbits of news, and then uh, several trailers we watched. Um, the news is all sort of movie and TV related. It's interesting. There's a uh, they are filming another Alien movie. Yeah, I generally I a movie. I thought they were doing a show. It is a movie. Boo. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm kind of. I really want to see the show to just see if that sort of expanded verse universe thing, that sort of time that you have for a TV show, can help. Uh, can can make it interesting to me. I don't so, know about that. What I, do we know about the movie? I mean, here's the thing. Here's what we know for sure. Ridley Scott's not directing it. Okay, which is good. Yay! Because Ridley Scott has really just run that thing right into the ground. He has. Uh, it's being directed by Fide Alvarez, who was the uh, who's the director, screenwriter, and producer, and he did The Girl in the Spider's Web, Don't Breathe, and The Evil Dead remake. Okay, I don't... I haven't the seen Evil any remake of those. Evil Dead remake we just saw the trailers for? Well, that was Evil Dead Rise. Okay, I don't that was know. a remake so of a remake. Okay, okay. He did so the other remake. I, that I know was that really that was like, like a dark. It was a darker take on it, so I, don't I think. Know if the, I don't know if that's good or not, but he's a horror director. Um, okay. And it's got so it's the the premise is under wraps, but it's basically a group of young people in a distant world find themselves in confrontation. So maybe it's like a yaw fiction version of Alien. <laughs> yaw fiction. Um, but it's uh, David Johnson from Industry, Archie Renault from Shadow and Bone, Isabella Merced from Rosaline, Spike Fern from The Batman, and Alien Wu from Away from Home. The lead is Kaylee Spaney from Mayor of Easttown. I know some of those words. I don't know who any of those actors are. 
they're all. I mean, I know the Mayor of Easttown one. Did you say but... it takes place on some other planet? Yes. Okay. I guess Alien is always set in the future, so that makes sense. Yeah. Or nearly always set yeah, in the future. Um, Mining colony two sevens. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, if it's on another planet, that means it can all. Uh, they, that potentially you could have the whole planet destroyed. You can do whatever yep. you want. Yep. Um, but that's maybe so, that sounds very like derivative. Derivative. I, I, yeah, stuff I, we've seen before. I, I, am very I haven't skeptical. seen teenagers versus aliens. Is that I, what it's going to be? I am skeptical of, of anything alien because, other than the first two, I've disliked almost all the rest of it. Yeah, they, the best they can usually manage is, oh, that was a neat bit. Yep. Or yeah. whatever. I, I'm one of the weird people who like Resurrection, but that's just me. Resurrection is terrible. <laughs> uh, it has good you know, moments. Here's the interesting wait, which one is Resurrection? Uh, Joss Whedon? The Winona Ryder one. Yeah. 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 Well, I saw Ryder. it for the first time, like, maybe about five years ago, and the thing that I did notice watching it is that I can see the germ of Firefly in it. Oh, yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, they... Um, Gravel Man it's directed by that weird French director. Right. Um, Who did what? City of Lost Children? City of Lost Children, a yeah. movie I've watched like three times trying to like. <laughs> I'll say this. It has an amazing uh, score by Angelo Badalamente, yeah. who passed away recently, but best known for the score to uh, Twin Peaks uh, and a bunch of David Lynch movies. Mm-hmm. Um and the visuals are great. In I it, love that swimming alien. But very cool uh, oh, looking. I'm talking only about uh, I'm talking about City of Lost Children here. Oh, okay. Fine. Uh, um, that that same same director. Yeah, there. no, no, I know. But um, yeah, there are moments in that movie. But like to me, it's like it is. It's a big mess. It is a massive mess. <laughs> Sometimes I can get along with messes. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. We'll see. Um, Brian Cogman from Game of Thrones is going to write and show run the. Zorro show for Disney Plus starring and executive produced by Wilmer Valderrama. So I didn't know that Disney Plus was doing a new Zorro. Uh, it, it says that it follows privileged caballero Diego de la Vega who returns to his hometown of El Pueblo de Los Angeles following a family tragedy. There he discovers a culture of corruption and injustice that will lead him to take on the mantle of the mass vigilante Zorro, America's first true superhero. This is, and the, thing this is the basic premise yeah, of Zorro. Yeah, basic premise of Zorro. Uh, so this is like, I can't tell if it's like is it not modern? It's not modern day, right? It's got to be. No, 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 it's, no it's it'll good. be in the it'll yeah. be in the past. Did the so the the last time there was really notable Zorro was the one where Antonio Banderas played essentially a successor to him. Yes, yes. Anthony Hopkins was the Anthony Hopkins, the aging, famously Mexican Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yes, played uh, the aging Zorro and yes. Anthony Hopkins Doza. Yes, I believe it was. And, uh, However, it worked, it worked because I liked Anthony Hopkins, but man, that was weird. It was weird, it, but it's one it of those was also really good. It is good, but it's also like four hours long. It's like two and it feels four hours long. It's it is like two o five, isn't it? It's a long movie. Okay, Rain is big baby. <laughs> um, the The no, original Mask look. of Zorro uh, is, I think, it, it, I will say this: it lags. It does. There's like you're like, oh, we're spending a lot of time watching the villain talk about his plans and see his like mining operation and stuff like that, and you're like. I don't know if I needed all of that, but am I correct? That's by wasn't that directed by the guy who would go on to make Cap the first Captain America movie? Joe Johnston? I don't no. know. I don't it's think somebody. It's somebody notable who did well, it. Now we're gonna look up. Look I, it up. It's at least somebody notable. Okay. It is. It is not Joe Johnston. I'm okay. pretty sure. Who? Who is it? Um, it is Martin Campbell who went on to direct uh, Quantum of Solace. Martin Campbell yeah. and Casino Royale. Okay. I believe he didn't. He didn't direct uh, Rocketeer. He did not direct Rocketeers. That was Joe Johnson. That was Joe Johnson. Okay. Well, apparently Robert Rodriguez was supposed to direct it before Martin Campbell, and he actually cast Antonio Banderas, and then he dropped out. Ah. Uh, well. Oh, wow. Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio wrote it. You might know them as Pirates of the Caribbean, and um, which explains why it's so long. 
<laughs> that and kind of two hours movie. and sixteen minutes. That's it's not a bad. Long movie for nowadays. That's that's short. Uh, <laughs> for then it was. Just that's a like long. an average uh, Marvel movie. When I, when I went to when I went to rewatch it, it felt long. All right, but there's a lot of good qualities to it. Yes, it is a good movie. It All is right. a good movie. You're mainly Zeta focusing Jones? on the negative here, Randy. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Zeta-Jones great. Has an amazing score by James Horner. But, um, but Zorro is one of those things that has been around forever. Yep. It's a really good story. He is a classic pulp hero, you know, essentially a sort of modern American Robin Hood. Yeah. It's nice because he's a Mexican-American Robin Hood, mm-hmm. yep. um, and uh, that's... That's always been something unique. He he was a he was a hero that everybody kind of liked. Who was a not white a white guy, although probably about in a zillion movies played, played by, by a white guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Martin Campbell did Goldeneye. Okay, that was that was probably his biggest one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for a lot and, of people, that is the best James Bond and movie. And did Casino Royale? Yeah. And Green Lantern. Yeah, well, <laughs> no. It can't all be winners, folks. That wasn't pro- that probably wasn't his fault. He was asleep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was all the writers on that. One. <laughs> but I will say this: uh, Zorro. Um, uh, did Disney produce those Mask of Zorro and Mask of Zorro Two? That seems possible. I, th- I felt like they did. Think so. Which, which, in other words, co-produced. I think I say it because I feel like, in a way, the show will probably vibe like that. Yeah. So. Um, and I feel like a show could be a good format for it. You could I, have I some agree. intrigues and long-running stories. I, I'm sorry, I know I want to talk about the new Zorro, but I just discovered something. Right, I, right, after, right before he did uh, Cine Royale, he did a movie called Legend of Zorro, which is a sequel, mm-hmm. which has Robert Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Do you not aware of this? I've never seen a sequel. No. Did it's you not? not? Right. It, it's it's, it's not? just mediocre. Okay. Yeah, it's oh. one of those ones that's like take take what you liked about the first one and just somewhat water it down a bit. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I feel like I just discovered a good thing and then a bad thing right at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Wilmer Valderrama. It's from, probably really long too, Randy. It probably is. All movies now. Yeah, as if you could survive it. Valderrama <laughs> from that '70s show. And isn't isn't he not great in things? Like no, I thought I, mean, I thought he was okay. fine. All right. I just I don't know how I see him as Zorro. I, I, I read an interview with him and he's, he seems very passionate about this okay. project and I and, and I think that will carry over. I mean, sure. I I watch a I watch a Disney Plus show. Yeah. So. I will give it a try. Yeah. Um, Pokemon Detective Pikachu is getting a sequel. Which Finally, I didn't know that was gonna. I, I figured at this point it wasn't happening. Like, like it's taken them a long. Well, it's time. so weird. Like after the uh, you know the box office proceedings, it made a lot of money, it did. and I never understood why they didn't just go ahead and greenlight. Well, it. here's a quick question. I, I don't quite want to give away the ending, but it does seem like the after the events of the ending, that these particular characters may not be. Engaging in the same kind of detective work that they right. did in the movie. Well, it, it may not be detective; it may be another Pokemon riff. Okay, and that's but, that's fine because. But the, I imagine Reynolds. Is, it says that insiders believe Reynolds will have some part to play. The world setting that they created is really good. Yes, it is like a super. It is both very fun, but it has just enough noir edge to it yep. to feel kind of like a little a little dangerous, a little bit like you know the mystery has some some teeth to it. This mm. is uh, the the guy who's directing this is Jonathan Crisell, who is uh, co-created Portlandia, <laughs> and also co-created, directed, and wrote Basket, starring Zach Galifianakis. Both of those are weird as shit. That's very <laughs> weird. And I'm like, that is an interesting guy to bring on for your giant Pokemon movie. <laughs> giant kids. Uh, it's going to be weird, y'all. That, yeah. that is, He does weird stuff. I, I'm going to put my money on Detective Psyduck. <laughs> uh, Detective Gengar. <laughs> Gengar. Gengar. Maybe it's time for Snorlax to take uh, have his day. But I think the Pokemon world is rife for, you know, exploring. And, There's uh, certainly you, lots and lots of Pokemon. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the way they had it in the thing is, like, the novelty of it for, for people who don't know Pokemon culture. Uh, in the various <laughs> games and cartoons and stuff, the original ones, you know, uh, people would learn to train Pokemons and battle them, usually in not too brutal of ways, uh, in, in like, uh, like, as if it was a sport. But the Pokemons and humans didn't really, like, live together like pets or interact uh, like that. But in the city that this takes place in, they do. Yeah. It's like a pioneering city where Pokemon are, like, part of the culture. They're, you know, mm-hmm. you know, actively working in the city. And they're kind of friends with people. But there's also, like, a, there, is, there are secret underground fighting arenas and stuff yep. like that that are, like, more dangerous ones. For all we know, um, we might see the introduction of Ash or... Uh, it'd be fun to throw in some of the characters from the show. Team Rocket or something. <sighs> they really should show in th- Team Rocket. They were fun, cheesy villains. Yeah. Um, Team Rocket was great. Uh, I don't know if they would have quite fit the somewhat realistic vibe of the movie. No, you could you could definitely throw Team Rocket in there. That'd be fun. Uh, you know what they should be like? It'd be they, they feel like people who would be basically be doing like sort of corporate espionage. They'd be yeah. trying to steal secrets of other Pokemon's and the genetic creation of new Pokemon stuff. And, and then you actually get a, a a Pokemon that can speak. You can get Meowth. Um, that is true. That is one of their things. And then, of course, Detective Pikachu talked, and there's an in story reason for that. Yeah. Yep. Um, they also did have, I believe, Mewtwo, the most powerful of the Pokemon, yep. um, with with his own big secrets, and uh, there's some neat twists they did they did with it. I like Detective Pikachu. It was I a fun movie. I enjoyed yeah. it. It was a good movie. I consider it. I would say, at the very least, you can you can ju- move things around, but I say it's in the top three video game movies. I think that's yeah. true. I think you got to at least give it that. Yeah. All, all those people have gone on to do pretty big things lately. Yeah, yeah. It, it does not have uh, the soundtrack of Mortal Kombat, of course. It's true, but it is a good movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if we were set, we're ranking soundtracks, you know why it uh, you know why it got off on a good foot was because the the reluctant guy who had wanted to be a Pokemon trainer as a kid but yep. wasn't as an adult, and his buddy is like, "Hey, let's try it, give it one more shot." The first one they go up against is Cubone, Cubone. the super weird uh, Pokemon that wears like the skull, the skull. of its mother or yes. whatever. Uh, weird. <laughs> making for like uh, acknowledging the weirdness of Pokemon right out of the gate, yep. and and having him miss with his Pokeball shot and have it chase him yep. and, yep. and throw yep. bones and stuff yep. at him. Yep. That was a good opener. It was. Uh, last bit of TV news that popped up right before we started recording. Apparently, John Bernthal is going to return as Punisher for Daredevil: Born Again, which is a miniseries movie. What is eighteen what is it? episode show on Disney Plus? That's right, eighteen episodes. It's a is big it, show. Is it bad that I never finished Punisher? I didn't finish Punisher. Either. I've never seen any of Punisher. Really? I didn't watch. Any I think I've at least Punisher. seen like four episodes. You know, I know some people that really like that yeah, from all spectrums, and it's not just like people who are just like I love when Punisher kill a man. Nope. Um, now, now here's the thing. It's John Bernthal. Okay. I love John Bernthal. So I should go back and, re- <laughs> and watch these episodes because yeah. everything he does, he's pretty amazing. Yeah, man. but I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they're... I, I was skeptical. Uh, you might remember. I believe I said numerous times in this podcast that, that the Netflix. it was never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but in fact, having... Um, what's his name? Matt? What, who's the guy who plays uh, Matt, Matt Murdock? Um, you know oh, man. About? Son of a... Irish guy. Yes. That guy. Yep. Anyway, that guy playing Matt Murdock again is great. He is uh, he's he's actually really good casting. He was great in She Hulk. His hidden English accent angers me sometimes. <laughs> I can sense it lurking, trying to get out. 
But uh, by the way, I think that we should during Charlie the day. Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox. I think we should during the day watch one Punisher episode per day. We'll uh, take a Punisher pause right around noon, <laughs> and instead of lunch, we'll go. We'll, well, we'll come back here and have lunch. Watch Punisher. Store will close in that time. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. And also, um, we're going to put on uh, white gloves, which we'll call our Punisher pause. <laughs> Please pause for the Punisher pause. pause. Does each, pa- does it, does each finger have a skull on it? Yes. <laughs> if somebody comes to the door and knocks and they need it, we'll wave at them with the Punisher pause. We'll hold up our Punisher pause. So you'll understand what's happening. <laughs> the universal symbol of we are taking a Punisher pause. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, it makes you, all the sense in the world. It does. Okay, you yeah. killed me. <laughs> but anyway... Um, <laughs> I, I still don't think that Netflix continuity is continuity, even though they have now shown Kingpin, Daredevil, and now Punisher. Really? Uh, you're you're not. I sold? don't think it's going to be continuity. I think that they are going to do. That's going to be an alt history. Like, they're, I think like so. it's more like they're drafting off the concepts and the yeah. the vibe of those characters, yeah. but they're not going to worry about any specifics. Right. No, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think they're going to worry too much about the the continuity of it. I think they're basically going to do a standalone Daredevil show. To for confess, Disney. I like it best when Randy's wrong. At, th- at this point, just bring back my Coulter as Luke Cage. Look, the casting get, was never the problem. Get, uh, why can't I think of her name as Jessica Jones? Uh, yes. Kristen uh, Ritter. Kristen Ritter. Ritter. Yeah. Just just bring them all back. I agree. Uh, maybe not you. Maybe Iron not Fist. Jones. Uh, <laughs> it's, like, it's like that meme of, like, uh, thank you for being the Netflix. You, you, you. Nice. <laughs> also, bring back Deborah Ann Wall. She was good as Karen Page. Wall was good. In fact, uh, was, whoever the guy was, Foggy. Foggy's got Oh, uh, yeah, from uh, Mighty Ducks. Yeah, he was good, too. Yeah, he's great. Um, but, uh... Yeah, maybe I think not he Finn. actually is involved. Maybe not Finn Jones. Is he involved? I thought he was. Oh, maybe I misheard. I think but... I thought he was too. Yeah. All right. Because he is the perfect happened. Foggy. <laughs> he was great. He was great as Foggy. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to this Daredevil show. Uh, I'm glad they're bringing him in. We've mystify- already talked about, we don't know how much it's going to follow the comic storyline. We already know it's departing from it. We just don't know how much. But like the comic storyline didn't have Punisher. No. What would be great, and I don't know how likely this is, but it would be great if Tom Holland's Spider-Man shows up at some point. Because Spider-Man and Daredevil... Other than a mm-hmm. brief scene in in No Way Home, I I could care less about Spider Man. I just want She Hulk back in there. Uh, that would be great. Too. <laughs> but then, I, I you're Spidey, saying you want the tradition of the Spidey Daredevil team up? Yeah, yeah. yeah that would be great. That, that does have a long standing yeah. thing. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, again, I don't know how likely it is, but that'd be great. All right, we got a bunch of trailers to talk about. Yes. Uh, Let's start by talking about the D&D trailer. Okay. Let's, uh, they they did one last trailer. This is their final trailer because the movie. I bet the tickets go on sale this week. Because uh, it is coming out end of March. Just figure next week. D and D Honor Among Thieves. We have been hyped for this. I am super hyped for this. I'm more hyped for this than the, the next Marvel movies. Like I really, I need <laughs> this movie to be good. And and here's the thing. And, and it, it could disappoint us, but the trailers are good. Like they show good. they show a bunch of scenes in it, and they're like funny and witty. They you they have their it's it's rife with D and D monsters and real stuff from D and D that you player that players will recognize. I half yep. wonder if this is like these guys know D and D. They've played D and D. Oh, for sure. Uh, and they're like the, the studio's expectations are so low. They're like, okay, I guess we'll just let you do whatever you want with it. And and that's going to be the difference. And that's what made, yeah because well it looks like there's three or four different dragons in it. Yes. Uh, you know what I've red, noticed? Black and some other ones. That red dragon, uh, he's fat. Yeah, well, he's the, clearly obese. He's, that that is dragon. that is the, the plush that we have. It right. Is, his name is Thumberchon. He's lawful Chon. There is no <laughs> doubt that there is going to be <laughs> this is going to be a chunky dragon, and they are I think going to make fun of this dragon. Oh yeah. <laughs> I am. I am looking forward. Yeah, ben, Bendis Kingpin style. 
Yeah, I'm uh, here for Chunky Dragon. I'll Chunky Dragon it. will win. Um, I believe it, it looked like in the trailer. It looked like he was smashing through stuff. Yep. I believe it's like you try and get through a doorway to escape him, and this thing comes barreling through. Yeah, I think I saw him eat a Red Wizard of Thay or something. <laughs> yep. Uh, um, there's. By the way, I have. Well, the, we we know that they've straight up called him the Red Wizards. Yep. yep. Uh, so it's it's Forgotten Realms. What is it? They mentioned uh, Zentarum in, the in the comic, comic prequel. Yeah. Uh, which he he we, is legit a Harper. That has been confirmed at this point. Oh, wow. And or maybe for, a former Harper. If you don't know that, that's like the secret... That's like the Rangers. Well, they're of, a secret organization of bards. They're like the secret good guy bards of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool, cool notion. Yep. Um, uh, they also, by the way, just to, or like yesterday released as sort of a, sort of a fun thing uh, through D&D's website. Uh, you can see character sheets for all the characters. Yeah. Uh, which they're pretty high level. I, I did like. I think we all maybe all thought these are like somewhere between uh, maybe like fourth, fifth level characters, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still kind of bumbling. But then we we did determine all D and D characters are kind of bumbling. It doesn't matter what level you are. We were yeah. talking about my my campaign where tenth or eleventh level. It took us two hours to get to an unlocked, unopened, untrapped door. <laughs> yeah, because we were so sure it was trapped. We spent two hours, and finally the DM we were like, we just push it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kind of staring at us. Yeah. You know, uh, Nick. Uh, between you, your character and my character in the current staff D and D type game, mm-hmm. that's not going to be a problem. No, we we just we'll push the door, the door open. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's trapped or not. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, bring the trap on. Yeah, I love by the way that we have a staff D and D game. There's only one staff for not playing in it. Yeah. Uh, well, one of somebody's got to man the shop. Someone's running as we, it. when we take the Punisher pause. <laughs> but. uh I, I like our name. We've we've got your character's name is Finn Jack. Yep. Uh, your I'm name Jack. is Gentleman Jack. Yep. Uh, one of our guys summoned a familiar. We decided his name should be Fur Jack. <laughs> yeah, he's a cat. And uh, and then I and decided, then I have a stuffed animal named Bear Jack. We decided yeah, he's got a stuffed animal named Bear Jack. We decided <laughs> that the group should be called the Three Jacks. Yes. And uh, and the, the explanation is, is there's like five of us. Yes. Uh, and so I love the idea of somebody like, but there are five of you. Yes, but only three of us are named Jack. Well, sometimes four. <laughs> That's right. It's an average. It's an average. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's it's good stuff. Um, and anyway, I, but but yes, the the new trailer. It's it's some stuff we've seen, but like there's there is a scene where they do the D and D summon un, or talk with speak with undead spell. Yeah. Is that what yeah. it is? And and it's very funny. It's a scene that I had seen uh, in a slightly longer version, which because they released the scene. Uh, but it, it's it's another one that bodes well. It's a specific, real spell from D anD. d It's a funny sequence. It feels like the game. Yep. Um, and um, that that's the vibe of the thing. Is, is you know, sort of. I think it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, I think yeah. we're going to get yeah. some serious scenes. Like the the motivations of the characters and all that is going to be serious. But they are going to be like they're going to be witty and flippant. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, and Hugh Grant's going to be Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant's going to be Hugh Grant. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't. Um, I, I don't the, think he knows. The new trailer. I was. I was reluctant to. to I wish. I kind of always wish them to stop releasing trailers. So I, yeah. I'm already going to see it. I saw a little more than I wanted, but, but gee, the, the new know. trailer has a very familiar spell from from D and D. Yep. And uh, the way it plays out is exactly how a mean DM would play it out, and it's <laughs> very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I am trying to figure uh, what is going to be going on in the sequence, uh, which looks like an arena battle uh, that has a displacer beast running around and them leaping to get out of it and going straight into a gelatinous cube, cube, which I'm like, it looks like it's maybe their plan, and I'm excited to see whatever their Mm -hmm. crazy plan is. (laughs) Because that's normally, having been engulfed, had a character engulfed in a gelatinous cube, normally not a good plan. Not great. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's no assassin vine. But, <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. I think uh, let's see. We have a trailer for uh, TMNT Mutant Mayhem. This is the new animated TMNT movie. 
uh, by Seth Rogen was a perpetual child. Yeah, that's, that's literally how they build him. Yep, perpetual child. That, that or per- perpetual right. teenager or perpetual something teenager, like that. Yeah, that sounds about right um, for him. Sure. And this had a uh, the 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 turtles themselves are a voice cast of people I didn't know. Yeah, like they all seem like younger people. But like the but the, the but the voice cast overall is uh, pretty spectacular. Um, and just as a quick aside, the visual style of it looks like this uh, into, into the spider. Into the, into the spider. It does, and it looks a little wacky. Like they yeah. seem like, as you said, David, they seem like they're preteen mutant ninja turtles. Yep. Yeah, just just a maybe, maybe that they're doing that because they want the arc of them growing into it. Um, yeah, wait, is it, it is a movie I've, or show. Uh, it is a movie. Okay. Okay. So, so I wasn't even sure if I saw. I didn't see Splinter. Splinter is Jackie uh, Chan. Splinter is Jackie Chan. <laughs> That's uh, pretty wild. Seth Rogen is voicing Bebop. John Cena <laughs> is voicing Rocksteady. No oh, man, that's uh, pretty good. Giancarlo Esposito is doing Baxter Stockman. Ah, that's good. Uh, uh, Paul Rudd is voicing someone called Mondo Gecko. Okay. Rose Byrne is voicing Leatherhead, who I know is one of their their villains yep. as well. Uh, Maya Rudolph is Cynthia Utram. Oh my God, there's a lot of stuff in here. There's a that's lot. one of the aliens, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Kings. Um, Hannibal Burris is Genghis Frog. <laughs> uh, yeah, this That's is uh, a... this is pretty great. This this sounds like fun. Um, the um, the trailer didn't blow me away. Like it was no me neither. It was a little too goofy, but like it's the kind of thing that may come off, or and it may just be good for someone who's not me. Man, the voice uh, cast in that list of characters has me has me hyped. That's a lot of stuff. It looks entertaining. Did anybody ever see? The live-action one that was, I believe, produced by Bay, but not directed by, but that one that had, what's-his-name as Baxter Stockman? Um, who's who's the actor, Medea yeah. guy? Um, yeah, but, yeah. That, that guy. guy who's a, in those Tyler, movies. Tyler, Tyler Perry. Perry. Tyler Perry, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I saw it. It was fine. Anything? Okay. I was, I was, I'd always been kind of hoping that might be a little bit better than it looked, but... Eh. It was about as good as it looked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There hasn't um, been a good Ninja Turtles movie since 1991. There was, a, there was another really good animated one that had like really nice animation, but the story wasn't great. Yeah, like it's, it's never they've never they haven't quite nailed it yet. But this is quite fun. Uh, that voice cast and the list of characters has me more interested than the trailer did. So the trailer itself I thought was just okay. Uh, we got the trailer for Silo, a new TV show on Apple Plus from. Graham Yost, yep, who did Justified and numerous other things. Yeah, he has a pretty good track record. Yeah, he does. Of stuff. He does. This is a very mysterious kind of teasery trailer type thing. Apocalyptic sci-fi looks yeah. a little like Fallout. A little like Fallout, where instead of the the vault, it's the silo. People are living in the silo. They know that everything out there is dead. But it's also you know the cast list is insane. And there's clearly yeah. some mystery as to what happened and and and, and what's going to go on. Like we, if we if they leave it. Uh, weirdly, one of the things I think about this is not super well known, but you remember that um, what was it, Lost Pines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, Wayward Pines, Wayward Pines, Wayward Pines. Yeah, Wayward yeah Pines. we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> which was about like uh, a person who's in a car accident, wakes up in a weird small town. Uh, the town seems to be isolated from the rest of the world. Yeah. It's a good show, and has a like a big, big secret, which I found pretty satisfying. Yeah, to reveal. Um, and, and there's like weird like creatures, and mm-hmm. there's like a cult, and you're like, well, how does this all connect together? If it can fit into that kind of right, that that could work. Yeah. Obviously, the justified guy knows what he's doing, but um, but there was also at least so the the, the last line of the trailer kind of dis- sank my spirits a little bit because somebody says like like what if everything we thought we knew was a lie? Yeah, and yeah. Like, yeah. that is in every single story where there's like a twisty future. But it's what Rebecca Ferguson, Tim Robbins. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, Tim Robbins, are the big ones. There's a bunch of other people. 
Who's um, Rebecca Ferguson? From uh, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. Rashida, Rashida Jones is in there. Yep. Uh, Common. Common. Okay. Uh, Angela Yao, is that Michelle Yeoh's daughter? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, it's possible. Anyway, um, it looked interesting. And, yeah. And the thing is, Apple TV has sort of a mixed track record. Yes. And especially with like fi- sci-fi, like Foundation is borderline unwatchable. Oh, I don't know about that. I liked Foundation. Really? Yeah, so I, I, was, I enjoyed Foundation. I was super bored by it. Uh, it is definitely more, high fantasy. More than with Zorro. Uh, Zorro wasn't bored by it. It's just too long. Okay. But I will say, Apple does have high highs, and they do have some pretty low lows. Yeah. Uh, I, I tried to watch a couple Apple shows over the weekend, and I or maybe it was last weekend, and I just couldn't. They've got some stuff on there. You're like, oh, this is not. What, if they hadn't had Ted Lasso, you'd be like, why did you guys start a streaming service? <laughs> but they've uh, gotten better now. They've, they've gotten a better a better strike rate. Yeah, but for a while there, it was starting like this was a terrible idea. Um, they have another one. Uh, is this no? This is Prime, right? Uh, Citadel, or is that Apple TV as well? No, Citadel is Prime, and then the other the actual right. movie is uh, okay, Apple so, TV. So Citadel is on Prime, which Prime is really hit and miss. You just finished a Prime show you I liked. Like, I like the consultant quite a bit, actually. I need so to watch be that. A hit, one of the hits one and not the, the hits, misses. Yes. But there are more misses than hits. But they're getting better. Well, this is starring one of your favorite actors, Richard oh, Madden. God. Richard <laughs> Madden is so boring. He's not He's not boring. too bad in this trailer. He's not too bad in this trailer, but he's a boring white guy. He's a boring white British guy. He was boring in, in Game of Thrones. He was he was boring in. Who was uh, he in Game of Thrones? He uh, was the. Did he run the Iron Bank. No, he was, he was uh, the, one, one of the Starks. Sons. He's one of the Starks. He was uh he was the one who was the king who yeah, the king in the north the king in the north. Okay, that's yeah, it's like that's I think that role was a little thankless. Maybe it, it was. was. It, it he was. he died at the red wedding. Yeah. Um, but his his other person with him is uh. Uh, Priyanka Chopra Jones. Yep. Who I feel like I'm looking and I'm like, man, where do I know her from? She uh, was on that. Is it CIA or FBI in or Quantico? Quantico. So yeah. so help me remember. Marvel was in this trailer. Is this the one with the train? This is the one with the train. Yes. Um, a little sci-fi, a little uh, spy right. about a kind of a uh, spy organization that answers to no one. I like uh, that idea. Stanley Tucci looks like, like it's like type stuff. Yeah, and Stanley Tucci is like the uh, either the leader of this organization or Fairly serious trailer. Yeah, yeah, with Ac- a little, little bit of a little bit of snappy dialogue. A little yeah. bit of snappy dialogue. Beautifully shot. This is the Russo brothers. Right, so this is the thing. Russo Brothers did some of my favorite Marvel movies, but then they did The Gray Man. Which, which I didn't think it was as bad as you guys thought it was. It was pretty bad. I didn't see it. It was not... Cherry was I'll awful. I'll say this. If I'm, if I'm, if, this is bad. If I'm, I'm, we, because we watched a number of trailers, I'm blurring a few of them, yeah. including the one where... Uh, the one where the guy's uh, the the gets go- ghosted is the other that's one. That's, the, one yeah, that's yeah. the next one. But this one did have. Does this one have the ski action sequences yes. and stuff yes. in it? Yeah. And this some of the one action one. sequences they showed. Although I'm also kind of in a, I'm bored of spy tropes along with the the what do you call it the hitman stuff and all that. Some some of it is just action tropes. I yeah. like spies. But <laughs> uh, but I was like that is an energetic looking spy sequence. Yeah. I was reminded that in um, t- uh, what's uh, Blom. Oh, Inception. 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 <laughs> Thank you. Um, in Inception, we need to, we clearly need to play uh, charades. Yes. <laughs> anyway, in Inception, somehow there was like uh, I love ski chases and stuff like that yeah. from Bond movies. Yeah. There was like guys in some snowmobiles and machine yeah. guns and stuff like that, and it's still somehow draggy and boring. Um, too long? Would you say it was too long? Uh, 
Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. Needed more long, needed more Zorro. How long's Inception, I wonder? Is it longer than Zorro? I wonder. I don't know it now. actually is. I so bet it's two forty I bet it's two forty. <laughs> look it up for me. Um but I was like, okay, some of the action scenes in this do look kinda cool. Like it may it looked like it might have some stuff that could win me over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I am uh, we we are definitely. Sort of the Russo spot. brothers do Winter Soldier. They did, yeah, and that has literally some of the best action oh, I've it's ever seen. Fantastic, yeah, they did. So that. if they can channel some of that energy, they did that Civil War and then Infinity War and Endgame. They've done right. some of the. Yeah. Arguably their the best staging of it is very good. It, it turned out they might not be the genius guys that we thought they were. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, I believe Grayman is actually written by Marcus and McFeely, who wrote Avengers, mm-hmm. and like that whole team came together to create a very mediocre this, spy ship. This might be better because it's written by somebody completely different. Yeah, it might be. Um, but I'm liking the spy renaissance right now. We're going to talk about Operation Fortune, yep. but also there's, we're going to talk about True Lies. Uh, it's a good time for spies. Seems like then spies we're going to talk about the next trailer, which is the, next thing is also the spy things, But it's also like that, uh, what's that, Jennifer Coolidge, Jennifer Lopez uh, um, wedding, destination wedding thing, which is also about spies. Oh, yeah. This feels a little bit more like that. Because it's a comedy. Yeah, th- but that was like kind of silly comedy. This uh, looks kind of silly too. Yeah, but this is a, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith yeah, or True Lies. Uh, it's, yeah. Night it's and Day and something along those lines. So it's called Ghosted. It's an Apple Plus movie. It stars Chris Evans and, and Anna Aramis. Mm-hmm. And the first half of the trailer looks like it's for a movie that could be a rom-com. It's a little yep. bit cute. Yeah, they go out, they have a date, they seem like they get to get along really well, and then Chris Evans gets ghosted. He's like a response from her. So he decides he's going to make a grand romantic gesture, go to London, find her, only to be kidnapped, tortured, and find out that she's a secret agent. Yep. Right. And at that point, it, it, it like it, like it goes from like kind of a like poppy looking meet cute uh, rom com yep. to a poppy looking action adventure thing where he's the sort of third wheel or yep. like and she's she knows what all what all is going on. Yeah. I do love the gender flip of this. Usually, it's the it is that we've seen tons of movies yep. where the guy turns out to be a secret agent, but the girl is like the hapless romantic. Well, uh, if Anna Arma, Anna Arms can uh, do her role from Bond for uh, an hour and she was fifty the minutes. Best part of that Bond, the movie. one truly good scene in the movie. Yeah. Uh, really, maybe the one. I don't know. Only... I like the opening. What was the opening? Oh, the, uh, yes, yes. I did like yeah, the opening yeah. too, where but, Bond is like sort of yeah, yeah. But but Anna Armas like she's great. And, she is. And uh, seeing seeing her be like badass spy, and this is like you say, it's got that Mister and Mrs. Smith uh, night. Well, and it helps that they have a really good chemistry. Yeah. And uh, I think I tried both Mister and Mrs. Smith and Night and Day, and didn't get into either of them. I think I stopped watching halfway through. So maybe this will be the one. <laughs> I'm going to say probably not. <laughs> but I will probably like it, because I like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I've never seen Night and Day. It's a less than uh, movie, Cameron but I, Diaz and, somebody, and Tom yeah. Cruise. And Tom yeah. Cruise, yeah. Entertaining. It's but a little, uh, little I always go back to Gotcha with uh, Anthony Edwards, and I don't even know who the girl was, <laughs> where Anthony Edwards was a hapless veterinary student who falls for a sexy foreign secret agent. Sure. It happens. Uh, it happens. It's never happened to me. I've never fallen for a foreign sexy secret agent. You probably don't realize how close you have come. Oh, very at times. close. Yeah, for that one day. Yeah, if you would like ask them out, you would you'd be having adventures right now, or be even being tortured. Right. <laughs> adventures and torture. Um, and the last trailer is the blackening. <laughs> which, yes. uh, which is riffing on the the trope in horror movies that the black person dies first. Yeah. Yes. It is has a lot of deliberate sort of. Acknowledgements of like sort of black exploitation horror tropes, hence yep. the very in-your-face name, the Blackening. But um, this is a group of, of like it's it's like six just black people friends. They go, they get a, they happen in the woods, and then they find this mysterious 
obviously racist game. Like an old board game that looks like... What is, somebody say something like, is this racist Monopoly yeah. or something <laughs> like that? And then some one of them gets kidnapped and it's like a jigsaw type thing. And like, just like Saw, yeah. And he's trying to make them... They have to play the game... In order to uh, and there's savor. both elements of the traditional jigsaw type stuff, as well as clearly subversions of it, yep. and a lot of funny moments. Yeah, a lot, a lot of great. The trailer is hilarious. Um, of the trailers we saw, except for D and D, I think this was my favorite trailer. The 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 first sort of scene that the that I believe he is called blackening. Yeah, it seems <laughs> like it. Throws at them as he says, like he's like, one of you will die. Whoever is like <laughs> the blackest of you will die. Yeah, and which leads to a conversation <laughs> among them of who is the blackest, and one of them yeah. is like. It can't be me. He's like, I'm gay. Voted for Trump twice. And including a little bit of some funny stuff of them sort of turning on each other, like that sequence. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, one of them admitting he's never seen Friday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, goofy looking and fun. Um, I, I wanted to live up to the trailer. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Uh-huh. The trailer looks good. I'm. I'm. I'm in. Uh, all right. That's news. We're gonna take a break, and we're gonna come back and talk about some movies and TV. We have a lot of movies and TV to talk about this week. Yep. Yes, we do. Some old, some new. Some blue. Some, some borrowed. borrowed. <laughs> it's bad that I went there. All right, brides. Um, so let's let's move to them briskly. Let's let's start with The Mandalorian. Okay. Did we all watch The Mandalorian? Yes. No. Yes. Um, I know, I, I think probably in this room, I'm guessing that I probably liked it better than the, three, the other two of you. That may be correct. Because I believe if you if you loved Andor, yep. the Mandalorian couldn't help but be, this is not Andor. Right. And it, well, it very much like, like it could not have been more clearly, everything is not going to be Andor going forward. Like, the Mandalorian very much is goofier Star well, Wars. I had no way expected it to be that, but it was kind of like a, wow, when you're this sort of subversive, it can be hard to go back to the original. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, that's that's one of the reasons why I was like, even when I was watching Andor, I was like, huh, is this a good idea? I don't know. And uh, um, I like, was like, no, it's not a good idea. I hardly <laughs> imagine that uh, Star Wars is going to, you know, uh, lose the franchise because of, but like, I'm like, we'll Go, we'll see. get broke. <laughs> but here's my thought, is like, I, I thought it was a little too exposition-y, and it just didn't have like a lot of the highs I sort of would have wanted. I think I could have been won over more I, than I was. I agree with the first part. I disagree with the second part. But I agree with you. This To me, this felt like the opening of a video game. Yeah. This was like, let's have a big opening action sequence. Mm-hmm. Let's have a... And then he, he meets a, some of our classic characters. Like, this is like Mass Effect 3 type the, thing. It's the like, slightly crowd-pleaser, let's, the let, fan absolute service. Absolute crowd-pleaser. Let's, let's go meet the, the people he likes... He's got he's got another he's got an ally people like but he's got to, he's got to restore this ally that we thought was dead. But in order to do it, he's got to do a side quest. <laughs> like like it very much felt like here's your main quest. Your main quest is to become is to be be bathed in the waters of Mandalore and which, become a Mandalorian, and become once, Mandalorian again. once again. But in order to do that, you have to get this uh, this murder droid. And in order that, to get this murder droid, you have to go to this place and get this part. You have to go visit the Babu Freaks. And also in between, uh, you will run into your old friend who's having trouble with space pirates, and you have to help him defeat the space pirates. And then there's a space battle with the space pirates. Like, I get anyone anyone who's like, this is disjointed, yes, you are right, it absolutely is. This is, um, th- I will say, it has always been the way of the show that he is this kind is of stuck doing video game side quests. Yes. Yeah. 
uh, and that is not usually a big issue I have with it. I kind of it's even kind of a fun format. I will say that, like, I we had on... Uh, I was watching in the background at the store the first episode mm-hmm. of Mandalorian uh, from way back when, and I was like, oh, man, what a good episode. So much fun stuff happened in that. It had I Have Spoken of yep. Not Guy, and it had, the, of course, the first appearance of Grogu, yep. and it had uh, IG whatever. Yep. Great opening, too, um, yep. the, in the bar, him yeah. coming through the door. Yeah. Yep. Um, so so I, 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 I think I can, like... Potentially work with this, but yeah, it didn't. It just didn't get off onto a great foot with me. I'm gonna see how it is with the second episode. This I is, I loved, I love Space Crocodile. I thought that was a fun bit. Don't you think it I, needed to look more like some something that no, wasn't so I, earthbound? I, liked it. I mean, it was giant. Yeah, I've never seen a crocodile that big. Nick, uh, do you remember <laughs> we were we were playing uh, this that uh, what's the Jedi game that we played recently? Oh, Fallen Order. Fallen Order. You remember that area where you're on like Kashyyyk or something? And there's like this giant ass bird. That keeps attacking you. Yeah, it is. It is like giant. It'd be like in mythology. It'd be like the rock, um, and it is weird and alien looking though too. Yeah, I need if it just looked like some giant ass swan, his bigness wouldn't have been enough. <laughs> but I would say the Keshi like giant spiders. They look a little like spidery. Yeah, but you know they probably had some weird extra blobby parts on them. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that crocodile just looked like it looked like they just made a crocodile big. It looked like how they just made Modoc's head big. Um, <laughs> uh, but also, I disagree with that because the the special effects throughout this entire better, episode better were than really that. good. Yeah. I, uh, I also thought I thought Grief Card going legit was really fun, and I thought him not being entirely legit where he could still stand off space pirates without Mondo without Mando getting involved. Yeah. I really liked all of that. I liked the I evolution too. of Navarro. Yeah, uh, I did too. I uh, that was, was really, really cool. Uh, who's, who's Navarro? Oh, that, that's is, the the, is the city. I also yes. thought the space pirates were cool looking. Yeah. And I thought the dogfight was cool. I thought the dogfight was really pretty exceptionally cool because, it, well, although I don't know, had we ever known Mando to be that great a dogfighter? I thought he was supposed to be really good and also this new ship is supposed to be super fast. That's true. He's jack of all trades. Uh, they, did a, they did a neat way they edited that so that it's like, okay, they clearly outnumber him. There was like six ships to yeah, one. Yeah. Classic asteroid belt chase. But then the way they filmed it was kind of neat. Basically, anytime one of the ships in searching for him would just go behind an asteroid, it would just, you would see an explosion and his ship would just come out. Yeah. It was like he was hunting them. Yeah. And it was, it was really, it was kind of cool because it didn't look like wasn't like the Han Solo escaping from the Empire asteroid sequence. It wasn't like the asteroid sequence in Last Starfighter. You know, we've yeah. seen asteroid sequences before. This one was had through something different at it. Um, I actually, I ahead. thought their use of Babu Freak, yeah. or his people, his, his freak, people. his little it wasn't freaks. bad. It wasn't bad. It was like it, the fact that they literally had like their little kind of like little Fraggle Rock off to the side workshop, yes. where you just like kind of like crawl through a little hole and. Yes. and and like while he's talking to them uh, or whatever, um, Grogu is like uh, picks him up like a teddy bear. Gro- Grogu is attacking them, <laughs> and, and I'm trying to remember is uh, what's his name? Griff, grief, grief, <laughs> grief, cargo. Was he like outside with his head down, almost yeah. like he would be looking in like a basement window? Yeah, yeah. like interpreting, interpreting. Right. Uh, yeah. That was that was fun. There was some specific Grogu issue. spinning in the chair and using his force, force powers, powers to take yep. candy. Yep. Uh, I feel like they nailed Grogu. Yeah. Um, what was it? Uh, what what else happened to the episode? There was something that uh, sort of bugged me in the latter half, and I was going to bring it up and, and debate it with you. You uh-huh. don't like the mossy uh, space pirate man? That's minor. I'll see how it goes over time. But he was he looked a little like a cheap TV creature. I uh, agree with that. Green green mossy man. He was not their best character design. Yeah, we'll we'll see if I get if the more they they're, they're clearly going to show him more. He has to be pissed uh, off. He's the head of the pirates, right? Yep. He's I space think, pirate king. I think the ending if the if. They go where I think they're going to go. 
I think could be very interesting. What was the end? Is the Bo-Katan stuff. Right. Uh, she has been sort of disillusioned. All of her people have left her. Yep. If she and Mando kind of team up to sort of reform Man- Mandalore, yeah, she's, she's living in an empty castle. I know that's a it's a badass castle. And she's sitting badass. on a throne. Yeah. Uh, if that's what they do, I could be really. Uh, that would be really cool. Um, I'm trying to remember what it is that it was. What else happens in this episode? Uh, there's there's a lot that happens in this episode. He talked about a lot, some of that stuff. Um. He he talks to the armorer, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Your ass can't be redeemed unless you bathe in the waters of blank on Mandalore." Mandalore. Yep. And he's like, "But she's like, but that's been destroyed." And he's like, "I think maybe it still exists." And she's like, "Well, then go." Um, and so he's going to go do that. Yep. Um, what's the side quest? He's on? oh, I know that's this. It is the side quest. Why? I, I understand that. That the IG droid was their ally and got a heart heartfelt ending yep. to it, yep. but I don't see why he so needs that one right. droid that he's going through all these side quests for. That felt a little dodgy to me. Uh, I mean, I, I guess they just need a part. That's not that's not the crazy. I mean, I play you play in video games. This is what a thing you do. Like you you go to a thing. But like, didn't like what's his name was even saying. Griff was like, "There's lots of ways we can. You don't need this. There's this lots of droids. droids. There's lots of droids." And, and I agree that that'd be a good way of. If he had been like, a, even if there had been a, the occasional line where he's like, "I really wish I had IG back in me no, at this point." Remember, there's they spent two years telling us how much Mandalorian hates all droids because the assassin droids yeah. that killed uh-huh. his family. No, I don't IG really is the remember exception. it. Yep. IG is the um, only droid he trusts. That's why he wants that droid. Okay, I, I, I feel like they should have clarified that, that. I mean, they, they spent two seasons telling us how much he hated all droids. That's true. I don't think of it like as a defining thing of his. Oh, I absolutely do. Um, uh, uh, but I guess I guess I can't think of many other droid interactions he's had. Yeah, no, but, he hate, he hates all droids. Okay. That's the thing. I think the episode was a little choppy. It was not bad in my opinion. Yeah. It just it, it felt a little kind of all over the place. Yeah. And I'm hoping they sort of reined it in a little bit and focus it. We but, shall return and talk about episode two and see where it takes us. Maybe True. we won't. Maybe, we won't. maybe, maybe land of Babu Freaks. Maybe land of Babu Freaks. Or if we could be as uh, focused as uh, <laughs> the Bad Batch has been lately, which has yep. been amazing. Bad Batch has been really good. Uh, speaking of Babu Freaks, you watched a movie, which the, the name of it, uh, Babylon, I assume is about Babu Freak in some way. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure he's in there somewhere. This is a chaotic... Uh, <laughs> this is... Isn't this David O. Russell? No, no. This is uh, Damien Chazelle. Oh, right. 1920s, 30s, yeah, it's Hollywood debauchery. It's basically the conclusion of the uh, silent films and transitioning into the talkies. Yep. Uh, and how the pe- the people who were at the top during the silent movies uh, transition into talkies and saying that they pretty much don't because they can't act right. in the same way. They're, it's they totally visual different. visual actors, not actor actors. Actor actors. And yes, it opens up with a... Uh, I don't know if people know, but this is, that is the underlying premise of Singing in the Rain. Yeah. <laughs> the movie. Uh, just, uh, just probably with, uh, I'm going to guess, less sex and debauchery. And I, I would imagine, I mean, Singing in the Rain does take or have a place in this movie. Oh, does it? Uh, so I feel like it's a touchstone for Damon Chazelle. This is all is, about sort of a the love lead, line. or is it an ensemble? So it's it's mainly about four different characters. Okay. There's uh, Brad Pitt, who is kind of like I think Gregory Peck, or kind of like of but of the silent films. Okay. Uh, there's uh, Margot Robbie, who plays a kind of brash 
very over the top uh, okay. lady. I know she's based on certain uh, actors. I don't know my silent no. actors particularly well. <laughs> if it's not Charlie Chaplin, there's uh, Buster Keaton. There's a man who sort of is on the. He basically works for the uh, crazy people in Hollywood, like reigning in actors and actresses and doing. Okay. He's like a grunt essentially. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a trumpet uh, player, uh, a black trumpet player. Trumpet. Uh, that works for one of the orchestras, and you kind of see him moving up through things, but also okay. facing, you know, racism, racism, is and a bunch of stuff. He, how does he? What is his role in like filmdom? Like, did he do like live scores yeah. to silent movies? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this movie is a mess. Uh, uh, I, I, that's I, what I heard at its best. I uh, think. It was a- I'm weirded out by Damien Chazelle's desire to show bodily uh, fluids of all sorts. Uh, there is. It opens with an elephant shitting on somebody. That is weird. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, there's lots of different things in here that I uh, was very surprised by. The de- the debauchery was debauchery. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I've kind of heard about it. Um, no, Imagine no. like herogasm, uh, but in old Hollywood. Okay. That's kind of what this was. Now, um, so I don't know all the tales of old Hollywood. Was there just so much money roaming around? These guys were like such high-level stars oh, yeah. that they just went full Caligula? Yes, essentially so. Uh, and this is sort of Damon Chazelle's... Is there a suggestion that like, the whole, like, all of everybody then was? Or was it like a, 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 a small group of people? No, it feels like all of Hollywood That's was kind of involved in these uh, gigantic parties of uh, orgies and... No. Uh, Mounds of cocaine, and uh, there is some insane stuff that I would akin to sort of a Tarantino style. Yeah. Uh, you say it's a bit of a mess. It is did a bit you, of a mess. Did you feel that it, like, did you kind of think, okay, this is probably at least mostly true, or this is probably oh, true-ish? It's, there are elements of truth in here, but it's heightened to such a degree that... Uh, like it trashy? There are elements of trash in here, yes. But there's also a scene that uh, stars uh, Toby Maguire uh, as. I don't. He is awful. A human being who would like. Yeah, but what about the character? Uh, well, that's right. But the character he's playing is even worse. He, like, no, runs like, fight clubs, and uh, it's kind of like this. The, Dante descent into this like dungeon after dungeon of insanity. Well, I guess I'm going to have to watch this movie uh, just to see it. But uh, Nick, it, it's three hours and twelve minutes. Oh my! It's I even um, even Zorro couldn't survive. That. <laughs> I don't. There are scenes in it that are really good. I think Margaret Robbie. I I don't know who her. Uh, who her agent was. Who her agent is. No, because she's... Maybe she shouldn't all, be that same person now. Her last three movies have been... Uh, well, they've whiffed at the box office regardless. I mean, the one with David O. Russell. Yep. Uh, and I can't remember the other one she did, but... Th- she's great in this. She she's fun. She better script choices. She fights a snake in this movie. Okay, sure. uh, And it it's a s- just insane, hilarious scene. Uh, taken from scene to scene, there are good moments. Yeah. The through line, I, it's just, it wasn't there. It was yeah. just a bunch of just stuff on a screen. Yeah. I laughed occasionally because of the absurdity of it. I don't know if I could call it good. I gave it two and a half stars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's on Paramount Plus. I pressed play. Sure. And I, Kaylee left about halfway through. <laughs> 
I have, uh, man, the cast is so good. The trailer you had was, me at, in, at elephant shit. <laughs> the trailer was fun. The cast is good. I've seen it on Paramount Plus, and I've skipped over every time because the reviews have convinced me it's terrible. The fact, Nick, that you're coming in with this review, I will never see this movie. Brad Pitt comes into the the uh, movie speaking Italian in the way he did in Inglorious Bastards. Nope. I am never. And it was, <laughs> I am never going to watch. Is it this supposed movie. to be? I think it was a slight nod to. Oh, to that. He didn't well, say like I'm gonna at least give anything. it like uh like uh like I don't know twenty minutes or something, I'll see what happens. Watch it in like thirty minute pieces or yeah, like maybe, an hour piece. So. Uh, sometimes that's just my just moment. Wait for anyway. the animal to kick in and then just watch it. <laughs> but the cast is insane. There's it's not just those main people. It's every like little person is in here or And by like, that you mean the cast is really good, not the cast <laughs> was crazy to take this job. Uh <laughs> See, I can't even say that because Damon Chazelle. I mean, he won an Oscar for La La Land. Yeah. He, uh, First Man was definitely up for I didn't stuff. Love La La Land. No, I didn't I like love La La. La- I like La Land. Okay, I thought First Man was more like Midnight Land. Did you watch First Man? What is it? Uh, First no. Man about uh, Buzz Aldrin. It wasn't about cavemen, and therefore Dave had no interest. in it. I have no. <laughs> Not truly the First Man. <laughs> Sounds like bullshit. <laughs> uh, no, was it a, what was first man about? It was Buzz Aldrin. Okay, it was like a biopic. Yeah, no, it did not catch. It that. was good, but it wasn't great. So, was uh, there any music in it? <clears throat> I don't think there was. Yeah. Buzz Aldrin the musical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some insane, gorgeous shots of like space and stuff. Though. They did a great job on that. Yeah. No, I um, I I the reviews on this were so brutal. I they were pretty brutal, and yeah. I suspect it's all true. And I don't disbelieve your review, Nick. No, but it is I just mean, one of those like I kind of just need to see, see a few. Yeah, minutes. sometimes you have to see the train wreck uh, and yeah. can't turn away from it. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will take your word for it. Yeah, <laughs> this is not a, a Randy movie. Nope. No. <laughs> um, so True Lies, which we all love. Yes. Um, yep. And we can acknowledge it has a few problems. It has it's problems. But, but, but it hasn't aged super well, but but a very delightful ride. But of that age, it was very entertaining and continues to be totally. so entertaining. CBS has a new True Lies show. Um, and Which they kind of buried on Paramount Plus. I had to, I had to search did. for it. Yeah. I had oh, to search where it for is? it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got Paramount Plus because so, I watch Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. So um, is on there. So uh, um, maybe if, if, if Randy... I, I heard some, you liked it more than most people. I heard some rough stuff on the pilot, and I, I kind of agree with it. Uh, well, it is a rough pilot, because the problem is the pilot has to basically set up True Lies again. Right. Because you, know, you can't assume everyone's seen this movie from, what, 92? Right? Yeah, 92 so, like, or have to basically set up as a new thing. 30 years ago. But they have to do, in an hour, what they had two hours to do. Not even an with, hour. I think it's like 45 minutes. Yeah, but they have to do it with, with no Arnold Schwarzenegger and no Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. And you know what's Tom Arnold, which is fine, but... Just as a yeah. quick aside, as a child of the 80s, yep. to sort of like contextualize, this is one of those you're getting old kind of things. Yep. Yep. A movie as old as True Lies is now, to me, would have been a movie that was from 1950, in like the year 1980. I'm like, I didn't watch any, I didn't know any movies from the 50s well in 1980. Uh, So, yeah. (laughs) So, so they have to do that, which, so, and, and by comparison, it's pretty weak. Like, the, the lead is not as charismatic or fun as a Schwarzenegger. Um, No, he's not bad. He's fine. He is fine. Ginger Gonzaga. Is he even remotely like? I'm sure he doesn't do the accent or anything, right? No, no. He's more like like if if somebody else had just been cast and they hadn't like Arnold Schwarzenegger is just is Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a boring white guy. He's a boring white guy. He's a boring white guy. He's in good shape, but he's a boring white guy. But they use the Harry Tasker. His name is Harry Tasker. His wife is Helen. Yep. Gib is in there. His wife is played by Ginger Gonzaga from She Hulk. Yep. 
Um, who was she the on? The assistant. Hulk? Okay, yeah. And she's great. And her, she is like she basically steals the show. She does. Um, and she's a, a linguistic she's, uh, so that, teacher. That was the thing I thought was a good tweak. Professor like, in the in the show, Helen's basically a housewife who has an office job. Right. In this, she is a like community college professor, but she is a ling- linguistic specialist. So as a as, as a member of the spy team. She's going to make sense because she knows all these languages. Yes. She'll be coming into it with a set of skills yeah. that the movie, that Jamie Lee Curtis's character didn't have. And so that's that's a good thing. So um, basically, she there's uh, she's not she is looking for some excitement, but not in the same way. And uh, her friend starts telling her that Harry might be cheating on her because he's taking all these trips and he's not he's not going. And so to sort of uh, head off this argument they're having, he decides to take her on this mission to Paris. And then he gets attacked in the restaurant, and he has to like own up to who he is. Okay. Uh, the the bad guy is a weapons dealer, not a uh, Middle Eastern terrorist. Yep. Yep. Um, and Gib is uh, played by Omar Benson something. Yeah. He was from um, he was on the Unicorn. Yep. On, on CBS. This is the guy who was the tech guy. Yes. Okay. Well, the, um, and the van guy, the, the van Tom guy. Arnold, yeah, and he's also got two other people in his team, which they did in the movie too, but they're they're more notable. There's a man and a woman who are on his team. Was there? I thought yeah. there was just a man. No, it's a man and a woman. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, but the action sequences are solid, but not great. Like I even compare this like to like Gilbert and Chuck, which is again probably 15 years old. Yeah, and the the action isn't even as solid as Chuck. Okay, right. The one thing I'll give it for him is that they got Beverly D'Angelo to play uh, Charles and Heston's Heston character, role, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was she wonderful. Boss, and that's pretty. Great. She's so craggy nowadays, yeah, and I, she's, and she fits she's perfectly. Great. I, I I love her as the boss, um, but this whole thing the, the, the pilot is okay. It's it doesn't have a lot of it's not a lot of yeah. uh, really funny bits and a lot of great action, but it's solid and it sets up at the end. Basically, they break because now she knows the deal. They're like we. You have to basically become an agent. Yep. And so they get her a new tenure position, and they're going to put her through training to become a spy, and she's going to be on the team. Yeah. And so this is the promise at the end of True Lies, the movie, was the notion of Helen and Harry as spies. And I always want where their kid knows. And by the way, they have two kids: a daughter and a son, okay. not just one kid. Yeah. Uh, where the two of them are like a family, but they're also spies. Like. I wanted to see that. Yeah. That's what I want to see more of. And that's what the show's going to give yeah. us. And it's done by Matt Nix, who did Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. Who is Seems like a perfect, perfect fit. So, although the pilot is only okay, I am holding out hope that it's going to get better. Yeah, I mean, if I was the guy directing this, I would have a hard time trying to do, uh, <clears throat> copy a movie that is so good yeah. and with a budget of James Cameron. I think I probably would have changed the story a lot more than they did. Yeah, I, I probably would have too. They were trying to homage it yeah. in ways that I... A couple of the nods were good, but overall... <laughs> the, bit where, the bit where she's like random dance jump dance fighting in her in the hotel room was the riff on the, yeah. the, the, the hooker thing. Yep. And I'm like, that's cute, but it doesn't make any sense here. No. <laughs> like, uh, and like I said, I mean, that that's sort of what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like, there are fun nods... Not all of them work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a bad show. I no. don't. I don't necessarily think it even deserves the negativity that I've seen online. There's only been one episode so far. I mean, I think it's at like thirty three percent. People or, hate it for some reason. Yeah, and I'm and like, I don't think it's that when bad. you say thirty three percent, is this like the Rotten Tomatoes style? Yeah, or is this like thirty seven percent, or that that is like the majority of people gave it a thumbs down. Essentially, well, it's, like, it's getting rough reviews. Yeah, I, I'm but trying. It's like only about to like begin. To potentially fulfill or not the yeah. premise, right. I guess the question is: Have the critics seen more, and is it all like this? Right. right. 
Uh, so Randy, but it sounds like you're going to give it a couple episodes. I'll be a couple episodes. episodes. Yeah, yeah, I thought the first episode was fun. I, I'm going to I'm going to stick with it. I, it. It was not. I think the bad reviews helped me because they set my expectations low. Yeah, yeah. And so the fact that it wasn't just awful, I was like, oh, okay, this could this could work. Yep. And uh, uh, well, what's it on? Where is it? It's on CBS on Paramount Plus. Okay. Right. Um, Dave, you and I saw a spy movie in the theater. Yes. Which we'll try not to spoil for Nick. Oh, it's okay. It's fine. Uh, and then we can walk around the the big stuff in it, but it's, it's we can hit some major points. This is Guy Ritchie's latest. It is called Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre. Yes, yeah, so the name that just trips off the tongue. Yes, but it's but it's fine. It's like he's an eccentric filmmaker, yep. broadly speaking. So I don't think it, he. It's the craziest thing for him to have a slightly odd title. Hasn't it sat on the shelf for a while? I did. Yes. I'm not sure why. I think I do know why. Do you? Uh, because the opening scene, the like weapons dealers or whatever, yep. are Ukrainian. Are the Ukrainian? It okay. literally uh, was like the week of the invasion what? of Ukraine, and they were just like, "This is just too weird." I remember hearing um, this, but I didn't notice it when I watched it. I I did notice it, but it's like it's such a minor aspect of yeah. it. Like, honestly, we've all seen so many spy movies, it's pretty common to have just some sort of Eastern European or Russian person, yeah. you know, as a gene- somewhat generic bad guy, I mean, that you can you can sort of, you can criticize it, but it's like, these are tropes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, there. there's not exactly what you would call some harsh criticism of Ukraine. So this, this reminds me more than anything else of like a Mission Impossible type. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a team of spies. There is a, uh, there's a thing called the handle, which is some kind of weapon. They don't know what it is. They don't know what it does. They don't know who's buying it. But they know it's going to be selling to somebody for like like millions, they know like, it's like hundred so million is, dollars. So this is the rabbit's foot of Mission Impossible. Yes, three. exactly. Yes. Okay. But, so they are, but they because unlike the rabbit's foot, they do tell us what it is by the end of the movie. And okay. The, well, that's and we'll good. We'll say this also. The vibe is part Mission Impossible, but it is also part um, oh, Guy, Guy, Guy Ritchie. Ritchie, in the sense that you know how his movies kind of have eccentric characters and meander around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have quite some of the the, the, the real wildness of that. It's a, it seems a little reined in. Well, the, but the trailer made this look like it was going to be the serious version of Massive Weight of Unbearable Talent. Or the more serious, because Josh Hartnett plays a movie star yes. who Hugh Grant's weapons dealer is obsessed with. Oh, and so I they need him as a they recruit him as their like their as like their bait. Yeah. But that's only a part of the movie. Like it's not even that big of a part of the movie. Right, but he does he will recur throughout the whole movie. Josh yeah. Hartnett is in the whole and movie. And he's fun. He's very uh, fun. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Orson Fortune, great spy name, <laughs> yes. played by uh, Jason Statham. So basically, he's supposed to be a reluctant top agent. So this is uh, the the guy, um, the editor, Big Dave from The Gentleman, is one of the Guy Ritchie's guys. Oh, okay. He also is in The Wrath of Man. He plays the, the guy who owns the security company. Yeah. He is their MI6 boss. And he hires Carrie Elways, who is a, like, he runs an independent mission team for various governments. Okay. So Carrie Elways is a lot of fun in this he movie. He is having a great time. Carrie Elways has his team. Orson Fortune is one of his big operatives, who, because of the way Orson Fortune has schemed uh, the, like, um, all the mental health requirements, that kind of thing, he basically gets, like, fancy jets and fancy food and all this kind of stuff because he claims he needs it for medicinal purposes. Sure. Um, so they're living high on the hog. It's like they, they have these they have all private jets and, and uh, there's a big running gag about expensive wines and all this kind of stuff. Uh, Orson Fortune, uh, their communications guy has been poached by Mike, another op- independent security team who they all hate. And so they have a new communications person played by Aubrey Plaza. Okay. Uh, and she is delightful. She's playing an Aubrey Plaza type she's character. She's playing Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Um, um, she's a snarky, sardonic hacker who does say hacker type things. Mm-hmm. Um, and his uh, his other teammate is Bugsy Malone, also in The Gentleman. 
Okay. Uh, who is his, like, there is, like, he's like a sniper and also, like, an infantry yeah. type guy. Um, and this team is... One of the first things that happens is a fun sequence at an airport where they're trying to intercept somebody and mm-hmm. figure something out, and the rival team that they've been talking trash about, and they're like, oh, they poached our best guy and all mm-hmm. this, rival team's there, um, and fun stuff ensues. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff with this this rival team that keeps showing up that is clearly on the same mission. Even though the guy, the MI6 guy, is like, "I did not hire them. I did not. They're not on this job for me." Um, it, it's it's really fun. Okay. And uh, Hugh Grant steals the show as always. His sleazy Hugh Grant is best Hugh Grant. Yes. Um, and uh-huh. uh, that that relationship between him and Josh Hartnett's character goes in a place I did not expect it to. Yep. Um, I felt like it needed some, like some a little more oomph and punch up here and there. I agree. Uh, you know, get to do some cool action. Lots of cool action. He yeah. he gets some some cool fights and stuff. Yep. Cool. Some and, nice um, set pieces. On some infiltration like, stuff. Yep. Some more action stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it, like I think Guy Ritchie fans are generally going to be happy with it's it. It's a good solid spy flick. Like, okay. This sits this sits up there with Mission Impossible stuff for me. But I think it vibes differently enough from them that you're not going to go in and just get like. It's like a warmed over Mission Impossible. No. It is it has some of those enough unique guy uh, Richie elements to yeah. feel like it's its own thing. Yeah. Um, y'all, we're going to talk about Duel, the uh, first Spielberg movie, sort of first notable one. I yeah, guess. I mean, 1971, made for TV. Yep. And then, of course, it you know got aired. And it's been like had shown. a theatrical release. Yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, 1971. The funny thing is, like, it is um um. It is filmed like a big-budget movie, even though it's also small in its way. But, like, if you had just told me this was a movie released in 1971, fully big-budget, and I would believe it. I, I mean, we were just talking about True Lies, which doesn't doesn't feel anywhere near this TV budget. I mean, uh, Duel is, oh, amazing, saying, yeah. is, is, like, the shots and stuff that, he, that Spielberg is able to get. Yeah, uh, on a TV budget is insane. So let's because I think this is something of sometimes a lost or unknown movie. Uh, let's just quick say what the premise is. It's extremely focused, and it's written by Richard Matheson, mm-hmm. who uh, kind of see the guy who did uh, I Am Legend. Yes, yeah, that's his most famous one. But he also wrote like I think some famous episodes of Twilight Zone um, and uh, some other I mean, stuff. Yeah, a ton of stuff. He was all over the place. Uh, a, gr- a really good, a really gifted writer. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I knew him from. Uh, I mean, I know he wrote The Incredible Shrinking Man, which I, I know that, that sounds so corny. The Omega Man. Ever, if you ever see the actual movie, The Incredible Shrinking Man, it's very good. Like, it's surprisingly yeah. smart. Well, also, The Omega Man, The Last Man on Earth. Uh, he did oh, those write, are adaptations of the same story. Yeah, he did write the, What Dreams May Come. Yep. Uh, yeah, ton That of was stuff. based on, I know, a book he wrote. Anyway, um... Uh, so this is a focused sort of suspense story about a kind of slightly henpecked husband in the year of 1971 yep. who was going on a business trip um, to, I don't know, he's going to have a meeting with somebody or he's got to present to him some presentation or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very low stakes. It's one of those things where it's like he's probably got like a, a like a kind of a long drive, what would you think, maybe six hours, something like that is what it was yeah, meant six, to be. Yeah, six, seven hours. And he ends up getting into sort of an altercation with a trucker whose face he doesn't see, but it sort of starts out as simple as like a, oh, it's going really slow, but when he, like, he uh, passes the trucker... Like, well, what does he do? Well, they they in, pass each other a couple of times, and it's sort of like in various kind of like 
not animosity, but they're slowly brewing kind of this, right. okay, you just need to let me pass, and you need to let me go. It sort of reaches the point where you know things might be getting dangerous. When the trucker's hand, you can just see it outside of the window, and he gives it's him the like, go-ahead and, and pass yeah. me on the left. And when he goes around left to pass him, there's another car coming, and the car is like... 50 feet away. Yeah. Like, it very nearly kills him. Yeah. And, and he's and, like, he, he stops, and you sometimes get an internal monologue from the guy. Which uh, I was surprised by, but I liked quite a bit. It was an technique, but he's like, my God, he just, he can't believe it, that this happened to him. And, but he kind of like, within a few minutes, he kind of recovers his senses. Kind of shakes it off, shakes like, off okay, and that's he gets like, on, only to continue to encounter this trucker throughout the whole Hour and a half movie. Yeah, it's definitely like this trucker has uh, singled him out and is trying to kill him at, at some yeah. point. Uh, there's a scene in a diner that he finally is able to. He the kind truck of is parked outside and he doesn't know who's well, in the diner. Well, he slams into like a fence trying to stop himself. Right. He uh, kind of gets whiplash and he's he's shaken badly. And he goes into the diner and he looks out the window and he notices the truck there. So he thinks one of the diners inside is the trucker. Yeah. And he kind of confronts a couple of them and well he 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 imagines the yeah. confrontation in several cases. He he goes through some possible scenarios of what might happen. Or at least that's the way I interpreted it. Well, I think no, there's based somebody on one of them. I mean, there's an actual altercation with one of them. There the definitely customers. is an altercation. In my mind, at least, or my memory, is that some of those are him kind of processing, like, what might happen. Oh, interesting. It's um, not my read, but... I'd, the, have that... to, I'd have to look at it again. But definitely, the at a certain point, he definitely does have, like, an interaction with one of them. And it becomes, like, a thing. Only while that's happening, the truck drives off, right? Yeah. So the you're like, shit, off. it's not him. Yeah. And then it kind of goes into some more chaos. At the end, yeah, there's, like, it kind of builds and builds to the point where, and this, because the fact that he was something of a henpecked husband was was kind of, I think, dealing with, like, in the 70s, uh, you know, I think basically, it really, I guess ever since the sort of women got into the workforce in the 50s, uh, or in the 40s when uh, men were overseas at war. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think there had been, like, a little bit of a cultural thing where, like, some men felt emasculated by it, right? Sure. They were worried that, that you know, if, if you weren't the breadwinner or whatever, uh, that was a thing. That was a real big concern to American masculinity. Uh, honestly, we still feel the shock and repercussions of people who were so obsessed with that today. Yeah. But... That is this guy. He is not feeling like he is kind of the head of the household anymore. And there's a few things like radio shows he's listening to that kind of amplify that theme. And there's a question of whether this guy who's a little bit of a pushover can stand up against this guy. And if he did, how would you possibly do it? He is right. outmatched. This truck is the beautiful piece of film, film uh, design. It's rusted. It is yeah. not like a giant truck. It's not like it like it could be bigger, it's, but it is like, like carrying tank, and it says I like danger signs on it. It says like flammable on yeah. the back of it. I love that because it's almost like it's thematically what he is. Yeah. He's about to run into a fire. Exactly. Um, uh, but it's also just this cat and mouse. Uh, yep. Hour and a half cat and mouse game. Uh, I forgot how many ways it shakes it up. Like okay. you're like oh like. Tries to call the police at one point. He tries to sit him out at one point. There's a great yep. sequence where, and I don't quite want to say this because people should experience it for themselves, 
but where he's like, I'm just going to pull off to the side and I'm going to wait an hour and things will be, he'll, he'll do his stupid yep. thing and we won't fight anymore. And and that does not work out. No. And, uh, but the way it, like, I, I had, I've watched this movie many times over the years. It's actually one of my favorite Spielberg movies because it's so focused. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought I remembered how that played out and it wasn't quite what I remembered. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Did you ever see this one? I watched, so I played Car Wars back in the day. Yeah. Yes. And this was this was listed as one of the influences on Car Wars. Makes sense. Um, so I Car tried, Wars, for people who don't know, was an 80s Steve Jackson game, yep, like yep. a miniature car combat game. Yeah, yeah. So I started watching it, and I got about maybe 15, 20 minutes in, and it was really slow. And uh, this was this was uh, especially young and dumb, Randy. Yep. Uh, and I did not like it. And I so wonder I, if I you turned tried it, it again. I don't know. Remember, I am a lunkhead. Well, and I know. I actually think that the way I think Spielberg, like Spielberg, is not generally what you call a slow filmmaker. Yeah. Although some people like say, don't get into uh, what do you call it? Uh, Close Encounters is a little bit longer and meandering. But I have a feeling that you would enjoy it more now. Maybe so. I've liked everything Spielberg that I've watched. From Close Encounters, you know, obviously Jaws, yeah. everything I've and watched. And this does feel like the hungry Steven Spielberg who made Jaws and stuff. Yeah. Well, there are very elements of, like, this truck is Jaws in hey, a lot true. of ways. That's true. Well, and the... But is there a Quint? Uh, no, I mean, it's 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 like, it's it's all Roy Scheider. Yeah, it's all Sheriff Brody. Roy Can Roy Scheider man up? All oh, right, Scheider, no quit. I wanted <laughs> Oops, to, all Scheiders. <laughs> I wanted to point out a couple of things that really kind of hit home with me, though, yep. is that the music, the, the composition by Billy Goldenberg. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know this guy, but man, his stuff was hitting uh, really hard for me. Like, Same. The, you know what I noticed is that it was reminding me of some of the suspense music in The Thing. Yeah. That was by Ennio Morricone, but influenced by uh, John Carpenter. There was an eeriness to it at times. But then there were also these staccato kind of psycho moments of like... Yes. Right. It, it actually, I think, was influenced by... That's Bernard Herrmann. Yeah. Psycho score. And... Uh, yeah, it takes you on this kind of emotional journey of like, uh, like sometimes there's no music at all for somewhat long right. stretches, and then uh, you know it heightens the biggest scenes, and it's it's both like sort of uh, very eerie and suspenseful at times, and then yeah, that kind of almost shocking psycho score once or twice, not too yeah. often. Uh, I was very enamored with it. It really kind of punctuated a lot of the action sequences, mm -hmm. and just sort of this feeling of a little offness yeah. at times. I also want to say, I mean, Spielberg, whoever his, uh, if he was, like, composing the shots or if, like, the cinematographer, whoever was working on it. The visuals are stunning. The, I, I could not believe some of the stuff that they were uh, able to get. Uh, There's a lot like, of what would we would maybe take for granted now and what would probably also be done with CG and other camera stuff that's you, where you have those long mounted camera things on cameras. I forget what you call them. Yeah. But they have them in all the car movies now. Um, they didn't have them back then. But there's times when the car, when you know, a camera must be probably mounted alongside, or they're filming alongside it as the truck is going, like what well, looks like eighty miles an hour, a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, uh, a lot of very fast shots. It reminded me more than anything of the Road Warrior, yep, which wouldn't come out until about uh, like ten years later, and I think had to have taken some, probably some craft and influence from this movie. I, it has to, and the stunt people on it were great. I mean, they I know they were heavily involved in, like, doing all the car yeah. stuff. I told you about one scene in particular, and I don't want to say what it is, because Randy needs to see this scene. 
I don't know how they filmed it without sh- a, a, a very dangerously endangering somebody. It's the scene. Yeah. It's the, well, you know the scene I, I talked about earlier. I, I was and I like, don't. I don't know how they no did green, it. They didn't. Green screens didn't look that real back then. Like you couldn't have just green screened it or whatever. Uh, or blue screened it as they did at the time. Yeah, I mean, this... or or even rear projection. It had to have been real in some way. I just don't know how. This does not look cheap. It does. Yeah. It, it holds up for me, and it fits. It fits well, into that weird kind of place where I can see myself. I've done a cross country, or right. not a cross country, but Anybody I've driven across this Texas. Will it has at least had some sort of road rage person or. You're going to sort of wonder what you would do in these scenarios. But I wonder if, like, kids nowadays, if they watch this, they would be like, oh, I've just got a cell phone. You don't understand how, like, isolated you are, like, by yourself on a, an empty road. Yeah. You don't have a cell phone. You can't call it. If somebody's doing this, what, what what the hell do you do? Listen, Nick, these Zoomers don't even have licenses these days. They, they don't even know how to get to a quick stop. Uh, millennials. <laughs> but I really thought that while I was watching. I was like, it won't work for some people. But well, if you can imagine... I, I believe, like, you know, hopefully everybody can at least somewhat project themselves into I mean, I past so. scenarios. Watch movies in the Old West, even though I didn't live in the Old West. I should be able to uh, enjoy a story set there. Um, and, 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 and in some way empathize with the, 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 the difficulties of the era. Um, no, Dave, every time we've ever watched uh, Tombstone, you're like, why don't they just use their cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they should uh, just give this guy a bad Yelp review and uh, <laughs> shut down the yikes like that. Um, <laughs> I, spent, I feel like I've spent so much time explaining to you that, that Wyatt Earp cannot use Yelp as a tool. Of <laughs> I feel like it's all we talk about. Uh, I was like, yes, the yikes can be canceled, right? Can I believe they, they yes. that's, why, why not? Why shoot it out with them? Canceled at the OK Corral. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh dear! But yeah, you know what? They, they do a neat thing in this that I'd sort of forgotten, which is the first few minutes of it are kind of a quiet montage of this guy literally pulling out of his garage, yeah. and then kind kind of fading in and out over the credits as we see him leave the city, and he starts to get out sort of in the countryside, and then he's going through sort of desert areas. Yeah. And you get that sort of sense of... It's not, like, eerie at first, but you do start to feel isolated. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, and that tension starts to build, and Spielberg knows how to do suspense. A hundred percent. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad this uh, the podcast you were listening to, I think, put this back yep, on your radar. So I'm glad you, glad you dug that. I'm going to revisit uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, a movie mm-hmm. I have not watched in probably 15 years. I have not. I, I used to watch it a lot. So I am pretty familiar with it, but I may try and catch it sometime soon if you're going to. Yeah, I'm going to. Tr- uh, just because I, I bet it's another one of those. It's probably been ten or fifteen years since I've seen it. I guess again, I've seen it a lot. <laughs> uh, last thing to mention, um, I watched on a random whim. There's a new show called Not Dead Yet that is an ABC sitcom. Um, I don't. I guess Hulu's been pushing it at me. Yeah. Um, and it is... Um, I'm trying to see who's, who's involved with it. Okay, so Casey Johnson and Dave Windsor, who are people who have written for a lot of good TV. Okay. Um, what did I see that they wrote? They wrote for This Is Us. They, uh, they, That's not good TV. They Well, it was very popular. <laughs> but before that, they both worked on Don't Trust the Bee, Trophy Wife, okay. and Gallivant. Well, all three of those are solid. Yeah. To um, great. And so... Uh, this is a show about a girl named uh, Nell Serrano, played by Gina Rodriguez from Jane the Virgin. Yep. Um, and she has uh, she was a reporter at this newspaper. 
I want to say it's in L.A. It might be in Chicago. I don't remember where it is. Uh, I think it's in L.A. Okay. But she moved to London for this guy, and they were together, and now she they were together for like five years, and they broke up, and now she's back, and um, basically has like thrown away all her career on this guy who, who left her, and her best friend is Hannah Simone from New Girl. Okay. CC from New Girl. Uh, her boss is Lauren Ash. I love Lauren Ash. From Superstore. Yes. And she, she is basically stealing this thing. She is a sort of... They both hated her uh, because she's like a weird rich girl who like her dad owns the paper or oh, something. okay. And she is now the boss. But uh, Hannah Simone's character has become friends with her. Oh. Uh, but she still hates Nell. Okay. And she actually... She advocated not to hire her back. <laughs> so like there's this weird uh, tension between them. Uh, so it's like her best friend is best friends with another person who hates her. Okay. Um, and Lauren Ash is, is great. She's playing her this... Lexi is this very weird, uh, rich, out-of-touch girl. Um, and her roommate, who she found on Craigslist, is Edward, and he is on the spectrum. And they don't get along well, but they're starting to sort of bond. All the characters start to become... I can tell this is going to become a really tight ensemble. Okay. <coughs> but So this is all like she's she's you know at this, this job. She gets put on the obituaries desk. And then she meets this guy, played by Martin Mull... And it turns out that's her obituary. And she can see dead people. Oh. She can see the person who she's writing the obituary about. Just randomly? Uh, just randomly. No idea why. Okay. And so nobody else can see them. She can see the person. And so she can talk to this person and get their obituary. And she, like, meets his ex-wife at a restaurant and, like, becomes friends with her. Huh. And, uh, and so basically the, the, the effort of the week is her dealing with, like, romantic stuff and all that kind of stuff and her getting her life back together and that kind of thing. But writing... But every week... There is a guest star who is the ghost of the that she's writing the obituary about, and the guest stars have included Martin Mull, as I said, who returns. Yeah. Um, Brittany Murphy from Pitch Perfect plays okay. her like her bully, uh, who is an influencer who died taking a selfie on a cliff. Okay. Sure. And she's like, I did manage to post it on the way down. But <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you know, this weirdly reminds me of Randy, and in, in probably a good way. I think yeah. uh, it's just a little bit of uh, like how um, Zoe's extraordinary yeah. playlist yeah. worked, yeah. which had a like a weird hook. But it was about like you know a woman, a woman, stuff. and yeah. a, you know like a modern job and trying to do it work through relationships. But this kind of like offered an interesting way to lens it, yep. like these slightly this heightened reality. Yeah. The second episode has Mo Collins from Parks and Rec. Uh, she's playing Joe Calamazzo, and, okay. she's, and she plays a like a a uh, she was like a, a motivational speaker, and she tries to help her get her life together uh, while she's writing the, the uh, obituary for her. It's a lot of fun. I really like this cast. They, they're definitely starting to blend. I've seen there's five episodes out right now. Uh, it's based on a novel called Confessions of a 40-something Fuck-Up. <laughs> so it's like they added the dead people thing in there or something. Oh, okay. Um, that seems weird. Uh, yeah. It really works. I was I was expecting... So I watched Animal Control, which is the new Fox sitcom. With, and uh, that, uh, with uh, Joel, Joel McHale. McHale. And also the girl who played Heather in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, who I love. Yeah. And that show is so bad it's a hate crime against comedy. <laughs> Uh, and so I was kind of expecting this to be the same, but it was actually really fun. So I'd recommend Nick. In particular, I think you would okay. like this show. Yeah, I'll Dave, check it out. You're never going to watch this show. Probably not. But it on, uh, it's on ABC on Hulu. I watched. Um, I watched. What do you call it? Zoe's. Zoe's. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, this was fun, and I, I really enjoyed it. I would recommend it to people. All right. Uh, all right. That'll wrap it up for us. We'll be back next time with more. And until that time, yo, yo show. Joe. Roguecast is a weekly podcast broadcast from Rogue's Gallery Comics and Games in Round Rock, Texas. You can find us online on Facebook and at www.roguesgallerytx.com and email us comments or questions at roguesgallerytx at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.